Hi, Animate. I'm just doing my uh pre-space pin things to the thing, so I'll be right back. It's good to see you. Brody, get up here. Hello, friend. Invite to co-host. Here we go. There's Soma. Hello, friends. Hey, I'm so excited to hear your voice. How are you? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm, happy. I'm excited to have you. Good. I'm glad. Hey, Soma. Hey, how's everyone doing? Hi, friends. It's it's AI day today, I guess. <laughs> it's good <laughs> to see you both. <laughs> I I have a little bit of a um, art crush on Soma and husband because oh. I've been watching. I've been following you guys since mm -hmm. I started. Oh, that's so kind. You're making us blush over here. Literally the best energy. Good. Uh, yeah, friends. How have uh, I haven't talked to either of you? I guess in like two weeks. How's it going? Not too bad. Um, we're honestly just really busy with inner life stuff. So we've taken a little bit of a step back right now in the NFT space. Not saying that we're not here, but just definitely have less of a presence. But I still enjoy our uh, spaces. You're the only person I even do spaces for and do with anymore. So oh, I, I love coming and talking to you and getting in touch. Uh, honestly, I just uh, binge watched the Resident Evil uh season right now and it was freaking awesome so highly recommend really it is quite gory so if you don't like gore or blood you're not gonna like it because it is really gory <laughs> okay i see animate clapping down there i heard that like i've seen memes with all of the movies like lined up in a banner and there's a meme underneath that says um like i disrespected you or something like that being like I i've heard that the new uh resident evil show is like absolutely terrible so i'm glad that <laughs> you're the first person who said they actually enjoyed it have you seen uh mr in between soma because if you like gore it's pretty uh, uh yeah it's about a australian hitman and his daughter ah I, honestly i'm not a fan of gore i didn't know it was so gory going into it um but i mean but i, I still watched it but that sounds like an interesting movie it's a TV series. It's a three-season series uh, made by two Aussies in Australia, and it's really fascinating because it's it's like moral stories, right? Like he's he's a moral hitman, and it, it's uh, touches on bullies and all sorts of uh, social dilemmas. So, it, it, oddly, it's a really good watch. Oh yeah, that sounds like it. I like those underdog, like you know, doing bad for good type, you know, shows because they always make you question, uh, you know, like is it for the greater good or is it not? I, I, I he, I don't usually do the revenge flicks. 
um I'm either stuck in like doing um I I, I don't know why this is necessarily but I like to rewatch like classic things and I do the same thing with books for the most part unless it's for research so um I do keep seeing memes about I guess the fourth um what's the movie with uh with Neo and uh they like kill his dog or something like that so they go on a tirade the fourth one of those is coming out is it the Matrix oh wait. no the the actor who is Neo oh the actor Keanu I yeah. I can't watch anything that involves uh, a dog getting killed I just can't and, oh, and that I agree. happened I agree I agree yeah, and th- that happened in one episode of Mr. In Between. I was like, oh, fuck, they killed his dog. Oh, no. Yeah, cannot do, cannot do. Um, hey, Ginger, Christina, Alien, Animate, again, Spaceport, my loves, my friends, hello, hello. Um, thank you guys for the retweets uh, that you've already given the uh, the pin tweet. Um, this one is going to be an interesting one where we're going to bring a lot of things home and essentially contextualize how to write your marketing. Um, and what I mean by that is that equipped with the various things that we have talked about, like target audience, collector values and personas, like you guys have heard me talk about that a million times. I'm like, you know what? We should probably take it home because we're like sitting on all of this information. And I thought, let's actually apply it this time. So that's what I want to talk about. Um, Brody, I, uh, specifically wanted for this one because I, 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 how do I want to say this? Um, you have effectively helped me motivate myself to continue with these marketing spaces and do what I do. Um, because of the just amount of absorption that you have um, undergone with applying like the algorithm workflow. And um, I'm not gonna cry. I just wanted to like give you the due respect that that you deserve with all of the hard work that you have put into um, your algorithm, studying, studying yourself and using your authentic voice. And I specifically invited you to this one because I want to make sure that we have voices like yours who have effectively just made sure that they have um put so much thought um thoughtfulness and care into um the way that they do marketing and i just think that this is an amazing opportunity to um just give voice to um somebody in this community who has just taken this information and totally run with it um so yeah i just wanted to introduce you right quick because you are um new at least to the to the stage with me um would you like to introduce what you do real quick so first of all you fill my heart with joy and uh. I, I love you and the fact that you said that I didn't know that and everyone I didn't know that I didn't realize that I had such a um, a big part of uh, her continuing I just and I'm, my heart is full of love thank you and and I appreciate you so much because you really changed like fundamentally you changed everything that I do on Twitter like it's it's completely different now and, and and I have such a narrow focus now and I'm training the algorithm to show and uh, like I'm actually like things are actually working the way they're supposed to and I had no idea how to do it and now I do so thank you but um what do I do I'm an AI artist but I'm a fusion AI artist so I take um inputs from uh disco um 
diffusion and I use that in my art. So it's the like, I, I, it's a tool for me. And then I create, I uh, usually do digital watercolors and I, right now I'm doing animations and I just pinned today, literally before, like an hour before Kino texted me and saying, Hey, do you want to, do you want to co-host with me? And I was like, Oh, how apropos, but uh, this is new for me. So I'm doing blender now. So I'm taking AI and then I'm uh, repainting it in uh, Krita and then I'm animating a whole scene in blender and then I'm re-exporting that back out into GIMP, which is kind of like Photoshop. And I'm putting my own stylized kind of texture and feel to it that I always use for all of my art. And yeah, that's what I do. I, I, among other things, I dance tango and I'm a musician and I'm a full on artist. Damn, we got an autodidact in the house. Um, that's rad, Brody. I had no idea that uh, you were exploring Blender too. Um, have I or have you introduced yourself to uh, NK Sneep Snorp in uh, in Discord? Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, so MK Sneep Snorp. <laughs> I love saying that. I've never like actually said her name aloud. Um, she is a uh, a Blender artist who started as an NFT artist on Twitter. And um, I, I hesitate to say like grew up in my ecosystem because again, like you guys do all of the hard work. Um, but she, um, she, yeah, I, I want to use a different phrase, but yeah, she grew up in my ecosystem and um, effectively have has now started her own like legitimate business and like viral TikTok and has just run with um, with her blender business now. And she makes low poly animals and um, yeah, super passionate about it. Super proud of her. She's actually the first. Um, multi-holder of the uh, the kitsunes and discord um and yeah i just like i can't sing her praises enough so if you um don't know who she is um i can ping her in uh, in discord and introduce you guys because yeah i just love to sit at the table and like watch you guys talk um soma what's uh what's going on with you did you want to um introduce your work before we dig into all of this also hi koda hi kangu yeah sure um so Soma is a it's a project with my partner and I, whereas he is more of the artist in our duo and I'm more of the, you know, marketing and social media expose, as you could say. That's why you're always going to hear me on here and never him. He's very introverted. Um, but yeah, we uh, use AI along with um, photo photo manipulation, digital illustration, um, and all that. Uh, Photoshop, we use uh, all, all these different tools to create our artworks. And you can take a peek in our pen tweet if you'd like to get a little glimpse of what we do. We love to create things in certain themes and styles. Uh, usually a poem piece or an excerpt that we write goes along with a piece. Um, just to give it some background and a story. We're really big into story. Uh, it yeah, I don't know. It, a piece only makes as much sense as the meaning and the symbolism that you put into it, right? So that's kind of where we are at. Uh, I, like I said in the beginning, we've been kind of taking a bit of a step back in the NFT space right now because Ryan's uh, day job is a Python developer and he's actually just really busy in, in real life. So yeah, but nonetheless, we are here. We love um, hosting the spaces. Uh, my first time with Brody, so it's really awesome that you're here. I see Ginja, it's nice to see you and Kino and Kangu like an animate like I, all our friends space boards everyone's here so it's really nice to see everyone and i'm excited for today's discussion it's interesting 
Me too. Um, yeah, I guess let's just dive the heck into it. Rocket Girl, hello. Um, Kangoo Coda, thank you guys for the retweet of the space. Appreciate you guys endlessly. Um, Digital, good to see you. Dorothy, hi, 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 hi. Um, all right, let's just dig the heck into this. So, hi. Um, welcome to Preparing for the Next Bull Run. Uh, this is a moment for all creators to explore the art of business and hopefully let your authentic voice shine. Um, this is for anybody under the creative umbrella, whether you're like a digital artist, traditional artist, photographer, sex worker, streamer, author, web two, web three, whatever, you are all more than welcome here. Um, let me direct your attention to the pinned tweet above real quick. You can tell that we have some structure here. Hello, this is so professional. Um, let me direct your attention to the pinned tweet above. Um, if you are introverted, nonverbal, busy, just not in a place to talk, whatever, please ask questions in that tweet. Um, you're also more than welcome to request, vibe on stage, say hello and unmute if you want to. Um, just feel free to practice speaking here. Um, I just want to make sure that, you know, everybody is able to uh, to put their, their voices into this. Um, as mentioned before, uh, today's topic is copywriting. Um so that kind of starts with a question, actually. Um, have you ever used any common caption practices, like a philosophical quote that has absolutely nothing to do with the photo? Have you just spammed emojis, used the latest meme? Um, and if you have, we have a cure for you today, and it is called copywriting. Um, in this space, copywriting is not about intellectual property. It's not C-O-P. R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. I'm dyslexic. That was very hard for me. Um, but copywriting with a W. Um, basically, it refers to text for advertising and marketing. And throughout this space, we'll refer to copywriting as writing copy as well as captions. All of these are the same concept, just used interchangeably. So Strong captions and tweets have the ability to tailor specific responses from your audience. What you want the audience to do is completely within your power. And at times, the format of copy needs to be carefully considered. Um, so you might find yourself writing several drafts until it becomes second nature. And I strongly encourage you to take this space and copywriting to heart. Um, knowing everything that we've discussed, like target audience, collector values and personas, keywords if you are in my algorithm workflow, um, the ability to write powerful copy is really the last tool that most people learn to really start controlling their social media and their audience's experience. Not only that, but you can take it with you everywhere. Writing copy is an enormous skill for conducting yourself as a business entity on Instagram, Twitter, even in spaces. What I'm doing right now is, uh, what am I doing right now? I'm reading off of copy effectively that I wrote for this space. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're ADHD too, and you take notes as, as I do in spaces, um, copywriting is also a way of kind of like translating all of the bullshit that's in your brain into something that is tangible and spoken. So you can use it everywhere. Um, and if you have any questions about copywriting while we're talking about it, um, please feel free to request, um, again, ask your questions in the tweet. This is an open space for everybody. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, equipped with audience values and especially the conversion funnel, this is essentially a way to make sure that you never run out of content for the rest of your life. 
Um, and as always, I'd like to start with the foundation um, that is going to be structure. But I want to pause there real quick and just reflect with Soma and Brody. Um, do you guys feel like so everybody writes, everybody writes captions, everybody writes tweets, obviously. So copywriting isn't something that we're necessarily unfamiliar with. But maybe I think contextualizing it down to things like target audience conversion, et cetera, um, is a skill that a lot of us don't necessarily practice. But especially after the algorithm workflow, Brody, um, have you guys really started thinking about target audience conversion, um, et cetera, within your own um, tweets and the, the copy that you write? I definitely think about it all the time. And sometimes I think that I think about it too much. And usually when I, I retweet everything and I like everything because I, I think that there, you never know when some collector or someone, someone who likes something that I retweet will look at that art and say, I want to buy that. And like you say, retweets and likes are totally free, but the, the, the responses and like the comments I'm, I think twice about all the time now because I look at my engagement every day and I think if I just throw out, oh, nice art, then that loses momentum for me and I lose engagement. And I don't want my, my engagement percentage to go down anymore. So, yeah, I, I definitely think about it with every single tweet. Unfortunately, I used to just like... <clears throat> like verbal diarrhea, but now I'm always thinking about it. So, um, but in terms of writing copy, not really. Like my pinned tweet, it's just like, bleh. And I tried to keep it as short as possible. And then inside the thread, I did my whip for that piece. And then inside even further, I did the link to the piece that I'm selling. But really I'm just using focused hashtags and um, I tagged the, the platform that I'm using right now. So, but in terms of writing copy, no, unfortunately, I, but I, I'm really excited about this because, you know, this is going to take, hopefully this is going to help take me to that next level and get even more traction. So. After you, Soma. Yeah. I was just going to kind of share my experience um, because what you said really like, had a buzzer in my head because I remember when I was trying to figure out what I you know when you tweet and you want to find your niche and whatever like what do, what do you want to be known for what do you want to um what do you want to add value right you want to add value that's why people keep coming back that's why people follow you is because you add value to you know what they're learning or what you're saying and I know when I first tried because I was like don't get me wrong I love good morning and good night messages but I mean everybody does them right um so I was just like okay like I mean I know I for sure tried um you know, random, you know, science facts at one point. Um, and while they were interesting, um, didn't really have anything to do with technically AI or NFT space in, the, in that sense. And so that was kind of like where I was like, oh, okay, less engagement, definitely not what I need to be doing, but it was like trial and error, right? And so that's like where I'm still kind of figuring it out. Where not, Whereas now, like I like to do more of like spotlighting artists and, you know, like Brody was saying, highlighting other artists in the space. And I was seeing like that gets a lot more traction and, and you're just building a really good relationship that way as well. So it's all trial and error too.
Totally. And what's so interesting about copy is the intersection between elements like keywords and um, how we think about copywriting and traditional marketing. Um, obviously, Cartolucci, hello. I totally missed your space earlier and I'm angry about it. That was a huge tangent. Um, sorry, Cartolucci had a, uh, a space with uh, Minaji and I missed it and I'm forever mad about it. Hi, friend. Um, yeah, it's it's super interesting, but there is this, this intersection between like the algorithm traditional marketing and all of these different elements that um, I love to pick apart, as you guys know. Um, like, for example, Brody, I'm looking at your pinned tweet. And what's interesting about it is that you've used specific emojis that have keyword value. Um, WIP, which functions as a, a particular keyword for a very specific genre, as well as obviously the hashtags. But art within art, just that is a piece of copy that is kind of interesting because, I mean, maybe this is too deep, but um, when I look at that, it forces me to think about why you chose those words specifically and really forces me to hone in on the art and just exactly like how you're tying those two things together. Um, so you could have said, this is a picture that I used another picture in and like used a whole bunch of different words to describe the idea that you had. But instead what you did was... Um, boil them down to a specific phrase that yes is mimetic art within art um but at the same time again it has that deeper meaning to it so effectively and again what's wild about copywriting is that maybe you weren't thinking about it but you definitely used it within your tweets go ahead i was totally thinking about it i that but that was something from my consciousness about the piece because it literally is art within art because it's like a piece of art that I created in AI and then uh, adapted in Krita and repainted and inside like a blender 3D animation and then actually it's art within art within art but yeah no I, th I thought about that but I thank you I'm, I'm glad that I'm actually maybe you're rubbing off on me in ways that I didn't <laughs> intend it's just it's so cool to pick apart the way that people write about their work, because I, I think that we get in our own heads so much. I do the same thing. Believe me, um, we get in our, our heads about, oh, well, well, we have to communicate like the depth of our soul within every single piece that we write about. And we don't necessarily have to do that. Part of the function of copywriting, yes, is to tell a story and to get to the uh, the theme and the bottom of your art and your purpose for art, but it doesn't always have to be that deep. Um, and I think that when we're thinking about like collector values and personas, when we're getting into like personal significance, i.e. talking about why a piece is significant to us, what is the story behind it, what was the thought that went in while you were editing it, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. Um, then yeah, like diving into the nitty gritty um, is, is important. But when you're doing marketing, we don't necessarily have to do that every single time because that would be exhausting. Um, so I think what I want people to take from the space not only is a couple of different means of um, communicating what those values are, 
Um, but making sure that when they are staring at their tweets, they're not stuck on having this like particular objective of I have to share my soul. Otherwise, I'm not valuable as an artist. Like, no, um, there's a multiple multitude of, um, of appeals and strategies that you can take at any given time. And then on top of that, we can complicate it even more with the conversion funnel, too. So, again, just endless streams of content. Um uh, that uh, that are available to us. Um, but yeah, we can go into things like hook, descriptive text and all of that. But I honestly kind of want to change my own mind and get into the conversion funnel real quick. Um, are you guys are you guys into that? Sounds good. Sweet. Oh, and again, if uh, anybody has any questions at any time, feel more than free to request. I'm happy to bring you up here. Pete, Phoenix, my love. Hello. I love you. Uh, brushes. Hi, friends. It's good to see you. Um, okay, so conversion funnel. Um, I'm just going to run through it real quick because I feel like most everybody is relatively familiar with it. Um, but I have picked out four ones for um, artists specifically. Um, conversion funnels, not really highly contested as far as how many there are. It's just um, contextualized to the type of business that you are. But I've picked four of them specifically because I find them the most useful for artists. Um, so there's basically four stages of the conversion funnel. Um, and effectively what it is, is the relationship of affinity someone has for your brand at particular points or how aware someone is and um, their, their relationship to you, your brand, etc. So the four of them are awareness, consideration, preference or desire. And the last one is purchase and conversion. Um, oh, I should remind people too, um, if you are feverishly taking notes during any of this, um, you're more than welcome to roll into Discord. There are worksheets there for you. Um, we also discuss things like this too. So if you need any resources, any notes, anything like that, I've got you. It's all in Discord. Uh, link is in my bio. Um, so awareness. Awareness is just where the audience becomes aware of a brand and product. Uh, it's usually created through interesting content as well as intelli intelligent use of hashtags, maybe keywords and algorithmic sorting. Um, so effectively, this is just a tweet that introduces you, your work or the values of your work. Uh, the second one is consideration. The second stage, rather, excuse me, is consideration. Uh, this is the stage in which the audience interacts with the brand. They're usually curious about you or your product. And because of this, the brand needs to provide further information about what they offer. So essentially, you want to bring home that value and establish it. Um, and let people know like why they should start looking at your brand, taking interest in it, et cetera. Um, Brody, you're actually really good at doing this, by the way. Um, I might want to pick that apart a little bit later. Um, third one is preference or desire. In this stage, the audience becomes aware of the value of a product or brand. So after consideration, this brand, you, the artist, has demonstrated direct value of the product. Um, now you need to show different market segmentations or your target audience um, what how their product will enhance their lives. So if you ever see me tweeting about how um, I want to use, my, <laughs> uh, I hate doing this. Um, if, if you ever see me tweeting about how my brand will help people build wealth, 
that is specifically me trying to hit home on preference, specifically using um, wealth as a type of keyword to build up reasons that people should perform the fourth stage, which is sale or conversion. For a lot of artists, this might be um, appealing to the value of, of like investment with your NFTs. Um, so for example, if you lean on your prowess as an artist, your portfolio, um, or that you have been within the space for X amount of time, um, that is effectively letting your potential collectors know that you have stability, investability, and therefore, um, uh, uh, sorry, return as far as their investments are concerned, um, which then should effectively lead people to that sale or that conversion stage, which is our fourth one. Um, yeah, conversion is essentially just the conversion stage. It's where the audience has been convinced that the brand or product is now worth their time or monetary exchange and performs an intended action. And the intended action doesn't actually necessarily have to be a sale. It can be a Discord conversion. It can be a subscription um, to email, your newsletter, whatever. So when we're thinking about conversion, don't just think about sales, especially because that last space we were talking about opportunities and opportunities within this space are vast, absolutely vast. So if you wanted to take, for example, your Web3 experience and start working with brands and start thinking about um, how Web3 and merchandise are going to um, eventually have marriage, metaverse, etc., start thinking about those conversions, um, specifically because I think that by thinking about those conversions, those monetary elements, et cetera, maybe that'll get your brain juices going a little bit about the opportunities that you have within this space. That was a lot. I'm going to pause right there. Um, Soma, Brody, Ginja, since you're up here, um, you guys have any thoughts on that? Or any of those? Sorry. I actually had a question, like you were talking about the different, you know, levels and stages, which one do you just personally think is like the hardest or the one that artists um, struggle with the most in marketing? Probably preference. And I think that's because I mean, even I was struggling with it. Um, preference, I think is very hard for us because we have this bullshit systemic thought that our art isn't worthy and I would love to do everything that I can to defeat that and make sure that you recognize that art is valuable and you as an artist are valuable. Your reason for producing is valuable. And when we think about value, I, I don't think that we contextualize it down enough to exactly what that means and what the transaction, the monetary transaction means. Um, you've probably already seen my tweet about how a collector, um, a, 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 sorry, a collector's relationship with you is effectively transactional, but it's based on value. It is the trade, the monetary trade for whatever the value your NFT provides to you. So within that preference or desire stage, effectively what you need to do is talk about, not necessarily talk about, excuse me, why someone should preference, uh, should prefer your work, but communicate or illustrate why your work is valuable. And I think that for, you know, modest individuals in the space, for artists in the space who don't really value their work, um, that is the most difficult um, conversion stage for sure.
Ah, yeah. let me know. I, that makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Brody friend. I didn't hear you. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, that's something. I think that's something that we all struggle with. Um, imposter syndrome. It's a real thing. And I think uh, also as an artist trying to find value in what we do, besides from, well, it's my art and it's my soul and it's what I do and it's what I love to do, but that's not really enough to get like a collector to collect, right? But most collectors that I've spoken to um, tend to look at us like a commodity for them to, well, one most recent uh, Papa Mumu, um, he's one of the Solana collectors and he works with um oh goodness i can't remember who he works for it's another nft um art um collector but he's collecting all of the work for come on brody think can't remember who but he said uh, to me in the spaces in the form function space that uh he does a deep 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 dive into every single artist that he collects so he'll look at Twitter, but then he looks for a website. I didn't, I don't even, I still don't have a website, but I'm making one because he was like, yeah, without a website, I'm not going to buy your art because I don't know who you are, where you've come from, what your background is. Like, I want to know your history. Like, were you an artist before? Are you, do you do other things? How long have you been here? Yeah, I can check your Twitter, but yeah. So I think imposter syndrome is a really big thing for all of us artists because I never feel worthy, right? Like I keep pushing myself to make my art better and evolve because I'm like, I want to get better because I look at everyone else's art and think, wow, I'm not worthy. But again, right there, like, wow, I'm not worth, but I totally am worthy. Like I'm a good artist. I, I feel like I am. I'm not um, arrogant or egotistical, but I, I feel like I'm a, a real artist. And yeah, that's, that's something that I definitely struggle with. And all my friends struggle with it too, except for a, a few exceptions, but yeah, it's real. Gosh darn it. And I really want to dig into um, why you feel that way, especially as an AI artist, because um, I, I feel that niche artists especially um, do feel that imposterism because of like, just simply the, the art that they're into. Um, not into, I'm sorry, producing. Um, and that's that's super heckin' frustrating, um, specifically because in Web3 in particular, uh, you know, it's a meme. We're early, it's new, blah, blah, blah. But really, when we dig into what that means for artists, what the implications are, that's very difficult to absorb because there isn't a lot of attention on that niche art. Um, so, yeah, just thank you for, for sharing that. And I, I hope that at least through... Um, educating people on the um, the Web3 audience or the uh, collector values and personas, we can at least instill within people why their art is valuable. Not only, I'm not just talking about one reason, too. There's 10 different reasons. And most, um, most one-one artists come away with uh, five to six different reasons that their, uh, that their work is valuable. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's just, get, it's very easy to get caught up in thinking that your work isn't valuable within the the niche categories um but also what's what's wild about ar i sorry i'm going off on this what's wild about ai art is that i i think that you guys get an extra dose of pushback on your art because of the nature of um using uh, 
again, I'm trying to be careful here, um, using other people's art to effectively make something new, right? And a lot of people think that um, composites or using originals, or I hesitate to say tracing because there's a little bit of controversy in the space right now with that. Um, so put a big old asterisk when I say tracing. Um, people um, oversimplify it, I think. And um, I, I don't know, how, how do you feel um, with, uh, with imposterism with, uh, with that one, Brody? Okay, so first of all, you could say that about photography, because I'm also a photographer, and I've been a photographer since I was like 14, and I had a dark room, and I did all the, um, um, I did everything myself. And um, that being said, what I mean to say about photography, I love photography, but again, it, I'm using a camera as a tool to snap a picture of something that I did not create. I'm the artist, and I framed it and then I edited it and I made a beautiful photograph and I captured a moment in time but it's still like it's the same as AI art like yeah okay so I used disco diffusion and I did not create the original piece and this is oh you know what I'm a little bit worked up because it it's a really sore spot like today I finally did a work in progress whip because I'm using blender now and I finally like you touched on such a salient point because I never really felt like I was good enough to show a whip because what is a whip of AI art? And now I'm using Blender. I was so pleased with myself. I'm like, I'm going to show my scene and, and like capture the whole screen of Blender. And so everyone knows I'm a Blender artist now, but, but yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting point. Cause today I, f I felt, I actually felt proud about being an AI artist, but I know AI artists who, like, I call it, um, what, do, what do I call it? Do I call it AI? Raw AI. You know, like, artists who use the AI tool, like Disco Diffusion or DALI, and that's the piece of art. And they publish that piece of art, and they sell that piece of art, and good for them. And people buy that, and that's, that's totally fine. But in, from my perspective, I've always felt like, Ah, definite imposter syndrome. Like, I feel like it's a tool, like a camera, but I have to make art with it. Like, I can't just publish the AI piece because I feel like I'm cheating. And I that sounds like a dirty word because I'm an artist. I'm not a cheater. But, yeah, you're right, you know. Like, I, I, I get that. I get that, like, ooh, is anyone watching me? I appreciate all of that so much. Um, have you or do you use any of what you just said and express it on the timeline? Part of the reason that I ask um, is that I'm, I'm writing, um, I guess I'm doing research here right now for my own workbook, excuse me. Um, do you ever use that, like uh, the, the, the personal, the, the emotion um, that you just gave me in this space to um, put that on the timeline. Um, and I, I hesitate to say for marketing, but um, as I'm about to illustrate in the workbook, um, any of these personal posts um, effectively do have marketing purposes, even if they're passive, even if they are not like the direct reason for you sharing your mental health, um, sharing your lunch or whatever. Um, they, they do certainly have um, have implications. Um, and I wish Omli was here because Omli is amazing at talking about her experience with marketing, um, but her, her personal experience with marketing and the hardships that she's going through um, to learn about it. So I, I just want to hit home that like 
those personal posts are valid on the timeline. And not only are they valid, they're useful for marketing. And I want to hit it home even further that your feelings on the timeline, especially you as your brand, your lived experience, all belong in the art community. I feel like there are a lot of people in the community who say you can't talk about politics or you can't talk about your mental health. And I completely fucking disagree with that. Um, I do, of course, with a big old asterisk, understand that you can alienate some of your audience, absolutely, with your personal takes. However, I think that it's up to us to do our own homework and measure if that alienation is A, worth it, or B, if you really want those people following your platforms anyway. Um, so let me pause right there, Brody. Um, do you use any of that personal content um, for uh, just on, on the timeline? Never. I've never, ever, ever done that. And I, it's not like I have a, a resistance to sharing my personal feelings. I just feel like I've never, like, I feel impassioned when we're talking here in this space, but I, I don't know how to put that down into words. Like, how do you put that down into however many characters Twitter allows? No, I don't. And, and that's the words that spill out of my mouth. They're, they're like passion, right? Like, I don't even know I could capture that in writing copy. I'd love to figure out if that's a good or a bad thing, but I'm not sure if anyone really wants to know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've got a captive audience member right here. Um, I need to, I'm going to call Omni real quick and see if I can find her to come talk about the way she does it. Um, so I guess like going back to the spirit of the space, um, copy is actually a means of, and again, you have to practice. You are not going to be good at this. Like you will probably end up writing huge threads before you're able to condense the worldliness that is your your personality your takes your feelings etc into a single tweet it is a skill by the way coda you are really good at this i don't know if you're in a space to talk about how you do it um but coda is really good at doing this um as well as through video too um the the way that they use um video to communicate their personal feelings and experiences um and bake that into their art is masterful and especially on a platform where video is um just i, I won't i won't like dig into it but video is um video underperforms on twitter for specific reasons i won't get into it coda is amazing at doing it there we go um so yeah coda if you're comfortable in a space talking about it i would love to hear about that um and i completely forgot what i was talking about brody what was i talking about oh god help um you know um, we're, walk we're in prague and we just were walking through a music concert so i'll tune out for half a minute before we get past it okay no worries. Um, it was uh, condensing your feelings. Um, so yeah, condensing your feelings is definitely where copywriting comes in. And I do have a workflow for it. Um, I'm going to rewrite it here soon. Um, some of you might already have downloaded it. Um, it's called Condense Your Thoughts. And condensing your thoughts is effectively a means of just vomiting everything onto a tweet, onto a notepad, whatever it is. Um, picking out specific keywords, and those keywords are words that would um, effectively cause the tweet to completely lose their meaning um, without them. 
And um, it basically what, what it, uh, yeah, what it does is take these very complex thoughts and condense it into a single tweet, maybe two. And not only is that valuable for personal tweets, it is necessary for posts like shit posting, um, marketing tweets a lot of the time, um, going live even for the, the streamers in the room. Um, hi, Phoenix. I love you still. Um, so, yeah, condensing your thoughts is, is just a, an amazing skill. Um, yeah, I don't know if we wanted to get into, do we want to get into different, uh, tweets real quick, Sama, or where, where do you think you, you, we want to go with this? No, actually, I think that's a great way to go. Cause I know like me, I'm more of a visual learner. So maybe some, you know, actual, like really good references so that people can look up in the pin tweet uh, just to give them a little bit of an idea. Cause I know I struggled with this one. I still struggle with this one a lot. I sit there like at my keyboard with like, you know, new tweet open and I'm like, ah, uh, cause you don't want it to sound like the last one, but then you don't want it to sound like everybody else, but then you don't want it too long and then you don't want it to be blocky. So I know there's definitely a lot that goes into it. You got it. I am screenshotting all of these tweets from the workbook real quick, and I will pin it to the top. Um, while I do that, um, let me just talk about Discord real quick, because I guess I can chill at the same time, because it's absolutely mindless. Um, yeah, if anybody wants references to any of these tweets, they are in Discord. Let me hit tweet. There's no text. I am a terrible tweeter. Do as I say, not as I do. Don't follow what I just did, please. And let me pin it to the top real quick. So um, what I am posting, hopefully, let me send it because I have Twitter blue. Um, what I'm sending right now are four different examples, um, two tweets included for the conversion funnel specifically. Um, on top of that, again, you also can think about different types of tweets that are available to you. So, for example, um, a shit post, uh, a personal tweet, a uh, going live tweet, a traditional marketing tweet, um, disseminating the different values that you have. Like, again, copywriting is a means of never running out of content. So when you take a look at these tweets, I'm about to pin it and then I'll let Brody go. Um just know that this is contextual to the conversion funnel, not necessarily the types of tweets that you can make. And uh, while I pin that, I'm going to let Brody go. Go ahead, friend. So it was a happy coincidence that I um, my pin is worded the way it's worded because I thought it really fit. But I, And I was surprised when you said, well, this is really, um, well, um, almost like rehearsed. Like I thought about it for a long time, but I didn't. Like I thought about it this morning and it took like another six hours to finish rendering. And I really thought about which hashtags I wanted to add, but art within the art or what do you, I don't even remember what I wrote, but that was like off the cuff in the morning. And I thought, oh, that sounds really good. I'm really curious to know how I continue doing that. Like what are, what's your advice on how all of us can like make something compelling? Cause it sounds like, it was compelling enough for you to look at the piece. And that's all I want. So there are a multitude of writing rules that we can totally go through. And also, I don't usually fangirl about people who follow me, but uh, the author of this book that I am just, it's been my Bible for years. Um, her name's Anne Hadley. The book is called Everybody Writes. 
And within it is just a multitude of tips that are so well put. Um, the book was written in 2014 too, and they still stand to this day. Amazing book. Um, I don't, I'm kicking back and forth um, with Spaceport, who isn't here anymore, um, doing a, uh, like a book club or something like that. So if anybody's interested in that, let me know in, uh, in the Discord suggestions, because I am super duper for that. Um, but yeah, so effectively, the rule that I wanted to look at was embrace the ugly first draft. Um, so when, when I say word vomit, I mean that it is okay to just write out what your feelings are first. Um, whatever the tweet is, whatever the appeal is, whatever is on your mind that you want to get out in a tweet, um, including your marketing tweets, it's okay to just completely ignore the character limit and go to town. Um, I frequently do this. So, um, not only by doing that, um, you are practicing that that first draft and also practicing condensing your thoughts. Again, just so universally um, important as far as uh, social media and marketing is concerned. Um, so by embracing that, that ugly first draft, um, yeah, you've got a, um, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Oh my God, what am I trying to say? Um, you've got a, a draft of everything that you want to say. And then from there, you are able to pick apart what your actual underlining, uh, underlying meaning is from that. Um, so when we talk about copy, again, we're trying to communicate usually a value or something very personal. And the ability to dig that out is crucial to good marketing. And I'm not talking about good marketing as in, I don't know, you're able to shill and maybe convert a couple of people, but you're able to build advocates and people who are actively interested in, um, in what you have to say because it's personal um, and because it is a word that I am looking for that is escaping me. Uh, nope, it's gone. Um, but yeah, you're, you're effectively creating advocates because you're creating interesting content, not just bullshit marketing. Um, so definitely take, um, uh, Hadley's advice, please embrace that ugly first draft and, uh, then condense your thoughts from there. Um, also humor is incredible, um, when it comes to tweets as well as memetic devices. Um, as you guys know, mimetic devices have a lot to do with keywords. Algorithmically speaking, keywords matter so much. And if you get engagement from those mimetic devices, that means that Twitter is now going to further prioritize your content when you post it. So for example, if I post my photography and I don't use any marketing jargon on my posts, those very rarely perform because the algorithm doesn't think that my audience is generally interested in that. Um, not to get any pity points at all, um, but it's, it's just um, a means of um, illustrating the keywords. If I were to like build up my photography and use more photography jargon, photography keywords in my tweets, and get engagement from that, then the algorithm would further associate my audience with that type of content and prioritize and show it off more, right? Um, where conversely, if I use marketing jargon, because I have a history of engagement with that, it's going to further prioritize it. Now, add humor and personality to it. 
humor and personality is just a means of making sure that again, compelling is the word I was looking for earlier, that your tweets are compelling, that they are personal. And um, especially for those who are their brand, um, who are um, the, the face of their art, um, then using humor and that personality is just a means of, again, snowballing those advocates and um, causing people not only to engage with your posts more, but to make sure that they retweet it because it's relatable, because it's funny, etc. Um, I have just gone off. Let me pause. Brody, does all that make sense initially? Yeah, totally. Makes sense. Um, but again, you did, sorry, you didn't really touch on like, what do we do to continue that um, that engagement, like, cause I'm, you know, I'm totally into <laughs> engagement now, but like, how do, how do we word, I guess that's not really a topic of discussion for this. Cause that would probably be a really long conversation. So let me clarify, cause I did miss it. Um, when you're talking about getting engagement, I feel like you're really good at that. So I might be a little bit confused. Um, when, when you're talking about writing copy or writing the phrase that you used, are you asking me how we can use those phrases and mimetic devices to snowball your engagement? Exactly. Hey. Okay. Um, let me think about that actually, because you're using keywords and, ooh, I actually have to think about that. Let me think about that. Um, I see Coda wrote me real quick. You can come in 10. You're working. No worries, friend. Um, okay, so snowballing engagement using phrases. I think that if you were, so phrases in and of themselves, I think would be very difficult unless it's mimetic. What I mean by that is that if you have a specific thing that you usually use, like it's very personal, like in TikTok, for example, I watch a creator who says, oh me, oh my, at the very end of all of her posts. And that would effectively be like a call phrase or a phrase that is, is a mimetic device on her posts. So if you were to like adopt a specific word uh, within your tweets, then that's definitely a way of doing it. Um, but when I think about phrases, I think about a phrase that you probably want to change and morph throughout the marketing that you do. Um, so are you talking about using a bundle of different phrases and capitalizing on that or more of that mimetic device that therefore translates into a keyword, which therefore snowballs into algorithmic growth. I'm, I think I'm talking about both. So something catchy, like what I wrote seems to be a little bit catchy, but also at the same time, like I, I recognize that I said art twice. And I think that those are keywords and using the hashtags that I did, I use them on purpose that like combining those things together to not only like compel people to look further, but to get the algorithm to push my stuff up higher. That's exactly where I was going. Yes. Um, okay. So it's both. Um, so yes. So um, like I was saying before, adopting a specific mimetic device for your personality, 
Definitely, definitely a strategy. Absolutely. TikTok, Instagram, um, and hello, we're on Twitter. Um, and on Twitter, all of those are absolutely relevant. But if we're talking about using different phrases, then yes, if you can really hit home with specific words, um, especially specific niche words, which I think um, is a bit of a longer conversation where we have to identify the different values of specific keywords, especially again, algorithmically speaking, then yes, that definitely has value. And I definitely think that you should be able to snowball that. Um, does that answer your question, Brody friend? Totally. Super. It totally does. Thank you. Thank you for being alive. I love you. <laughs> One more thing before you respond to that <laughs> gushing. Um, how do we, I, I don't know if this is a topic that we should discuss because it's your, your, this, this is your spaces, but I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, how do we specifically target uh, collectors without actually tagging them? Because I, I tagged a couple once in a off thread, but then I was in the spaces with a, a big one and he was like, I hate it when people tag me and I was like, oh shit. So how, how do we like, how do we get those eyeballs on us without actually specifically mentioning them? Like, are, can we figure out what they're tweeting and use the same algorithmic phrasing to kind of be in cadence? Is that even possible? Um, yes, it is. Um, but that's a really roundabout way of doing it. Um, instead, what I would do is go seek out their content. And this is part of the algorithm workflow, by the by. Um, seeking out content is the fastest way of having that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hello. Algorithmic relevance, excuse me, um, to other creators. Um, also in the DMs too. So I'm talking about DMs and on the timeline. You engaging with other people not only helps their algorithm, but it also helps that cyclical relationship, um, algorithmically speaking. So um, you might have noticed that if you show up in a space and you speak to somebody in that space, you're both in the speaker's meaning, you might start to see them on your timeline, even though you are not following each other. Um, or if you comment, if you click on somebody's profile, or you just show really Twitter any um, interest in somebody's platform, regardless of if you follow them or not, you're probably going to start see them um, being recommended or prioritized on your timeline. So the fastest means of getting in front of a collector is to, hello, get yourself in front of them. Um, now that all said, if your collector happens to be a hub, I call them, um, Mentalist is a, uh, a hub for um, LATAM art, for example. Um, Tuco, I definitely see your relevance um, getting into there too, as far as a hub is concerned. Um, Soma, uh, Kevin, as well as AI Joe, I would definitely consider them to be hubs of AI art, um, et cetera, and so on, excuse me. Um, you can effectively, yes, like algorithmically train in that direction by using those specific keywords and hashtags, but I would bypass that by getting in front of them, um, just because I think that is definitely the faster and more effective means of doing it. Does that make sense? It makes sense, uh, with, but with a caveat of not being a vampire, right? Like you don't want to suck their blood and get them annoyed with <laughs> you. No, no, I would make sure that, yes, there is like some distance and you're not breathing down their neck. Absolutely. Um, Soma, I recognize that you need to jet off here in a second. Um, I just wanted to say hi and bye to you real quick. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I, it's great discussion. I've been listening very intently and still learning. Uh, you know, who would have known after months of doing these spaces that you're still learning? Huh? I'm just kidding. But um, I just wanted to add in, too, with you guys were talking about, you know, tweeting and, you know, kind of curating and, you know, you know, re- or what, what was word? What were you saying? What was that term you, you coined? Keywords? Or no, when you were like, just put it all out there. Key. Oh, word vomit. <laughs> word, word, word vomit. I like that. Um, and I also like that, like, don't feel so much pressure of putting it all into one tweet, right? You're not limited. Well, I guess you are by like a, a reasonable amount of tweets a day. But um, you have multiple tweets and you can get a lot of different ideas across. And so I know what I do that really helps is like, I've kind of do like, like set days or certain themes so like okay Wednesdays I want to do weekly artist spotlights okay and then Mondays I want to you know highlight one of my unsold pieces of work in my collection and like I think it sometimes really helps when you give yourself like a little bit of a schedule tweets which is you know I always uh, encourage those third-party uh, apps because they just really help keep you organized and a little bit less pressure of when you're trying to just Im- like think about what you want to tweet for the day because you already kind of have an idea right um, so that would be like my only input on that subject and other than that you've uh you know gone in inside of some really good you know like I like the collectors talk that's a really good point by Brody and you know I there's a lot of pressure you don't want to tag them you don't want to annoy them um, but you do want to be in front of them right but it's actually just happened to me like last like two months ago is I was just engaging on a like an art thread with my my other AI friends and um, a really prominent figure in the AI space uh, Claire Silver I'm sure some a lot of the AIs have heard of her she's really big into the AI space um and has lots of followers and she's a really big AI advocate and artist and collector. Um, and she, you know, just responded to one of my tweets to one of my friends and then started following me. And so like, I just got on her timeline by responding to my friends and then we just made that connection. So I feel like maybe don't put so much pressure to be direct with them because you don't even know what's going on behind the scenes indirectly, right? Like I didn't even know she could see my profile or just see that I responded to one of my friends. Like I just thought we were having some friendly banter. I don't know. So um, I would also say like, you know, just don't put so much pressure. You never know what's going to happen. Um, just, yeah, you know, keeping yourself, keeping your artists, like do what you do, talk with your friends. Um, but, you know, things will come and what you want will happen. I, I promise you, like, I didn't even expect her to follow me. And I was so excited when I like, I was like in the gym, like it was like the randomest time. And I was like, oh, my God, Brian, like I just followed us. Um, so it was really exciting. But yes, I do have to go. Um, but um, thanks so much, Kino, for uh, inviting me to co-host with Brody. This has been awesome. I'd love to co-host with you guys again. Again, um, I, I like that this is our weekly uh, uh, weekly thing. It's really fun. So, yeah, thanks again. And everyone for coming in and listening in. Adore you, friend. Um, please go follow Soma. Please, please. Um, she is wonderful and based. And um, I think your one one came out already. Right, friend? Wait, you have to go. Never mind. I love you. <laughs> no, you're totally you're totally fine. Uh, but, yeah, it was really good seeing everyone. Bye, guys. Love you. Um, Wait. Up, up, up. Go ahead. Soma, don't go. I, I have to. Okay, no, I, I just want to say that um, uh, besides from the fact that I've been following you since I started NFTs, I'm also, I used to be a Python programmer too. So, bye. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my, Ryan's all looking at me smiling. It's so, He actually has um, a, a technical interview today, so he's kind of like stressing over. That's partly why I have to go, because he's like, uh, he, he needs his space and time today and, you know, quietness. So, but that's awesome. Thanks, Brody.
Bye, Soma, my love. Also, Nihilus is here, and I'm going to force him to be my co-host while Dorothy um, talks real quick. <laughs> Dorothy, hi. Hi, how Dorothy are you? Dorothy was here first. <laughs> yes, it's my first time in your space. I'm usually always at work when you have your spaces, so I'm so stoked to be here today. I'm so happy. Good to see you. Yeah, thank you. You too. I'm a big fan. I'm not. Um, I'm following you, but I'm not following you as much as I should. If I, if you know what I mean. Like, there's so many people to follow. So, I appreciate you. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that on on Brody's question, um, I I have been experimenting a little with it. I've never DM'd a collector directly or anything like that, or or tagged them if I didn't have a connection already, but. There was like some months ago, I think probably it was in March. Um, I heard this guy speak in a space. Uh, he was a collector and he, I, I just really, really liked what he had to say. Like he was a big supporter of one of my artists. And like, I was like, oh my God, this is the type of collector I want. What the, oh my God. Right. So I'm like, but then he, I couldn't, uh, I wanted to DM him just to kind of like say, oh my God, I really appreciated what you said in the space and just things like that. Uh, but he uh, he doesn't he didn't have his DMs open for people who didn't follow, so I couldn't do that. So I just commented on below the space, uh, saying that I you know really you know liked what he had to say and so on. And he answered that politely, whatever. Um, and then uh, I just um, yeah obviously I followed him and then put on notifications for his tweets. And then whenever he tweeted something, I vibe with or I felt was interesting or funny or whatever I would comment on it uh obviously in a genuine way and and just kind of like just normal whatever right um and um and then also like because he retweets a lot of artists so whenever he retweeted someone uh that I really liked that was a great piece of something I'll comment on that and retweet on that as well um and just little by little just you know then a few weeks ago, he followed me back. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is working, you know? And then he went to a couple of my spaces and just as a listener or whatever. And then, like, I'm, I'm just keeping completely like, uh, like no, like I haven't shielded him a single time because I know this is a type of person if he wants to buy something, he's going to buy it. He doesn't need to be shielded too. And I feel like a lot of collectors are like that. They don't like people to ask them to buy from them or, or like, be too much you know in their face um because if if you're connected with them and they they see you they will see your art and it, like he has retweeted me a couple times too um and you know he, if he wants to buy from me he will maybe he won't okay fine but at least it's it's like you know there's a connection there and and maybe because i'm not connected with him someone else who's also collected will then see my art and will buy from me who knows right so it's just like the, it, what I mean is just basically the, if you can correct those genuine connections, whether it's with other artists or collectors, that I think I feel like that's going to help a lot. Totally agree. Um, and yeah, I always say that like when I mint again, um, my collectors are uh, we're going to be sharing cookie recipes before we even like discuss business. You know, um, I do think that Twitter is just ripe for those um, personal experiences and just allowing those to organically grow. Um, and that's super heckin valuable. Um, Nihilus, I want to say hi. Hi, friend. You're, you're up here. Hi. Hi. You're up here co-hosting with me. Yes. What what do you know about uh, copywriting? Go ahead, give us uh, give us your lecture. No pressure. Huh? 
I adore you. You're actually really good at it. You're actually really good at it because you are so good at talking about the your reason for creation, your process during creation, um, mental health, the, the personal posts that you have, but you're also just a genius shit poster. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you do any of that, like, um, I hesitate to say consciously. Um, what, what I mean by that is that a lot of us just like throw marketing at the wall and we're not just like super, super conscious of um, exactly all of the tactics that we use. Um, but I wonder, would you mind talking about what your um, strategy is if you have one for, for your Rorschachs? Oh boy. Okay. Please. <laughs> all right. So, um, First, I would like to like preface this and uh, say like I preface like every post like now. It's like I am not an expert, um, but you know, in in you've probably heard people say this before. Um, you know, the whole thing is just like you know, if you wanna if you wanna be you know not be successful, but like you know, if you want to, uh, I don't know, have some uh, measure of success, like you know, focus on like being yourself. But what does that mean? So. Um, for me, I think even uh, down to Rorschach's, it's really about um, it's really about kind of like isolating those unique aspects of the collection of the art that you're creating and um, figuring out a way uh, to present that uh, to, you know, to your supporters, to, you know, the people on the feed, things like that um, in a way that's kind of like that's palatable to you, but accessible for other people to understand. Um, I think each and every one of us, you know, when we are making art, things like that, there's something about what we are creating, something. It could only be one thing, but it's something that is unique and exclusive to you. And that's what I think is important for a lot of people. Um, it, it's helpful to kind of uh, focus on and, and isolate about that collection. You know, when we, um, if you're talking about like Rorschach specifically, I know that on the market, it is the only photography. It's it's the only uh, photography collection that takes the idea of Rorschachs and uses it as just like this, this hugely, uh, this huge like massive like infinite abstract template, right? Their template like there's a lot of like layers to it that you can dig deep in. But I understand. But you know, but I can present that in a way to where I let people know, it's like, hey, you know, the ink block test, you know, Rorschach, well, this is this thing, but in conjunction with something you haven't seen before in photography, and this can kind of go on infant, like it's, it, it's a loop, like, you know, little things like that. Um, but it is really about kind of just like isolating those um, aspects of just, just the uniqueness of the things that you're doing. And, and I think a lot of times we have, um, uh, anxiety, right? And we and I and I think you know it comes to like the whole the whole imposter syndrome thing. Like we feel that there isn't enough uniqueness about what we're doing, or we feel we just don't know how to do it. But you can start small, right? When I say uh, figure out a way to like uh, um, you know isolate and express the unique things about what you're creating, I don't mean you need to create like you know a, a massive description for that. But it can be something small, you know, just, you know, there's something about what you create that you personally found unique because you saw your art in a very unique and specific way that nobody else did or nobody else can. That's what makes you special as an artist. And so I think it's very, very, very important that we uh, focus on figuring out how to um, how to express that in a palatable way for um, for everyone. And palatable doesn't mean dumbing down but we all learn differently. We all perceive things differently. And the more, um, and the better you can be at, um, 
at, I guess, uh, at, at marketing and expressing the, the, the most unique and just like cool aspects of yourself as an artist for other people to understand, I, I think the better luck you'll have as a whole. Oh God, I was tweeting right when you ended Nyla's timing. Um, okay. So what is interesting about all of this is what I said before is that copywriting is super, super heckin' dense. And in order to unpack it, we have to unpack your uh, voice and tone, how you're going to communicate, your reason for creating. So those are all of the like emotional implications of all of it. But then we can even, uh, we, we need to expand that into, again, those like collector values and personas. Why are people collecting? What is the value? And how are you going to communicate that in a, um, a tangible and understandable, digestible way to your collectors. And then we can go even further and talk about the, the, the conversion funnel that we got into earlier. And I think where you excel, Nihilus, is your ability to, yes, use your voice and tone enormously effectively, but you're also able to capitalize so strongly on those collector values and personas. So like, for example, um, the, the aesthetics of your Rorschachs um, is something that it's just art for the sake of art. Aesthetics and traits is just art for the sake of art. It's an appreciation of art for the traits of the art. Um, but you're also very good at talking about the investment value of your NFTs. And again, investment is just telling the, uh, the collectors about um, how long you've been here, what your portfolio is, um, your future endeavors within this space, and the stability and investment power of your NFTs. Um, you also introduce quite a bit of community values, um, personal significance, as well as the different utilities that you have. And scarcity. I want to hit on scarcity, but I see your hand is up, so I'm going to let you go. Go ahead. <laughs> No, I, I, I just I just wanted to say, like, again, it's, um, you know, there, there, there are ways you can, I think, present the art that you're making um, without even because I think some people do get intimidated by the aspect of just like, oh, well, like, I don't what, what if I you know don't have, you know, a system of you know rewards to dole out and things like that. You don't have to do that. There's so much utility or just value you can offer in your art just that is placed inherently when the, uh, like in the art itself. Um I think with um, with like Rorschachs themselves, the the whole idea was the fact that they would evolve and change based on every holder's like own unique artistic and psychological perspective. That is something that is inherently built into the collection. On the you know on another aspect, something that could be appealing to a lot of people and collectors is like you're not going to pay an arm and a leg for Rorschach. This is something that that creates um, less stress on. The overall market um it's something that can kind of function and survive in a bull market and a bear market right so that uh puts you know people's minds at ease and allows them to not stress about oh my god i gotta pay you know 0.5 or one eat like this isn't me saying what you should price things at but it is an aspect you know of that that, that personally um you know benefit and works for that collection allows people to focus on the art itself rather than stress as much about um about the price i can tell people off bat they're just like okay you buy this rorschach but i promise you there will never be another rorschach like the one you bought and that is scarcity that that is a different type of scarcity um that is not necessarily uh, limited to volume itself 
right? Because I think a lot of us think that scarcity is inherent to, I can only have one to two pieces up. No, like the, the collection that I've been building is going to, it's going to be massive, but the scarcity lies in the fact that every body that collects a piece will get something that is completely unique to them. There will not be another piece that is identical to the next. And those are all things that provide like intrinsic value in the collection that have nothing to do with like extra added utility. It's, it's all inherent in the art in the art itself. And I think that is also a really valuable thing we can, you know, think about doing when making collections and stuff. Okay. I'm going to shut up now. Go ahead. Are you, are you shilling in my space? Nihilus? Mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> totally. I was just saying that in my head. No, no, no. Actually, I might show up in your DMs later because I might want to do a case study on your Rorschachs for the workbook. Okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, actually, let me let me just dive into that that rarity real quick. So, if you are Nihilus and boop boop boop, I'm Nihilus. I want to write a tweet today. Oh boy, I'm gonna sell so many things, but I want to make sure that I am appealing specifically to that scarcity. So let me let me unpack scarcity real quick. Um, scarcity is super interesting because not only does it regard availability, but it also includes rare traits. So usually we think of availability um, as assets within a PFP, which are purposefully held back within your algorithm. But it could be a rare earring or a gold skull. But for one one art, it could also be scarcity through like a release schedule. Both of those are manufactured purposeful rarity. Now let me get into what Linus does. Um, alternatively, um, a rare traits also put import on how often something happens naturally. So for example, like a photograph of a waterfall that only flows a couple of times a year. Um, the way that Nihilus produces his Rorschachs is a natural means of um, coming to a, a very personal um, meaning for, for his work. Um, which effectively is a form of scarcity. So, bup, 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 I'm Nihilus. I want to come and make a tweet, but I want to contextualize it specifically to the conversion funnel. How am I going to do that? Well, you're going to think about the four stages of the awareness, I'm sorry, of the conversion funnel. Um, and if you look above in the pins, you can follow along with the examples. It's the first one. Um, I am naughty and did not tag everybody in here for wanting of time. Um, so everybody's um, tags are in the, the tweets above. Please go support them. Um, they're going to be in the workbook too. So I just, I adore everybody that's in the workbook and thank you for letting me use your work. Anyway, um, the first one is the that awareness stage and the perfect awareness tweets introduces the audience to a brand daniel does it above by introducing his voice and tone it's um established with expectations for his page which also links to his primary product or his nfts so he's got two very strong conversions and the first is by offering his work on an established marketplace without forcing the sale Within the awareness stage, you're not necessarily forcing a sale. You're allowing the viewer to roll straight into the consideration phase by making them just aware of your voice, your platform, what's going on with you, um, what's going on with your work, etc. And again, Nihilus, you're making me angry because you're so damn good at this. I want to case study it. Um, 
Nihilus does this effectively by um, sharing mental health, sharing what's going on with his life, um, and introducing his Rorschachs in a way that isn't salesy. It's literally just here. I am making this incredible work. Please appreciate it. It's kind of like going back into almost... Uh, how we think of, I think, Web2 um, uh, marketing, where we just introduce our work for the sake of work. That is valid. That is okay. And it is totally um, doing marketing very well because you're practicing the awareness stage. Um, Nihilus, do you have anything to add to that real quick? Unfortunately, I do not. My mouth is very dry. <laughs> I haven't had any water all day. Um, I am irresponsible. I wish I did, but I don't. You know what? If you were here for an hour co-hosting with me, I would have checked in and gotten you some water from the fridge, gotten you like a cupcake. Like, you know what? I, oh, my God. I didn't do this to Brody, actually. Brody, how are you doing? Do you need water? <laughs> I know why his mouth is dry. I'm awful. Got nothing to do with being not drinking water. Terrible. Okay. Um, but Brody, you, you doing okay? I usually send an hour check-in in the DMs. No, I'm all good. I'm all happy. Right. I'm enjoying myself. I'm actually walking little frog right now in downtown, so listening to you. Oh shit, fancy. Nihilus. Yeah, fancy. Beautiful night tonight. That's so rad. I'm a bit jealous. Um okay, so let me introduce uh Christoph's tweet real quick. Um above again in the pinned. Um, this is just another awareness tweet, and that's through like top-down introductions to your audience. So um, above an awareness, Christoph leverages his personal brand. I'm going to mute you real quick, Brody. Oh, there you go. Um, but, but, but Christoph leverages his personal brand and photography background within a pin tweet, which has invited the audience and potential collectors to connect with his background. So like we're kind of passively appealing to that investment value here. Um, but that's just kind of the nature, I think, of a personal tweet. Um, so, yeah, he's just used a, a personal tweet in the awareness stage using the investor value and persona within his tweet. So, again, three different things that made this tweet in particular. Um, and I just want to hit home that if you use all three of those, you will never, ever run out of, um, of things to talk about, of tweets to make. Um, moving into the consideration phase, um, that's the, the next photo in the pin tweet. Uh, the consideration phase informs the audience about a product or expectation that the account provides. So in the first one, that's just my algorithm tweet about the, uh, the interest factor specifically. Um, here, I've begun with a pin tweet that establishes authority via my big brain algorithmic knowledge. Uh, the purpose of this tweet is to just teach the audience something useful. So I'm giving them something in exchange for um, their following, their advocacy, uh, whatever stage they're in. Basically, I'm providing value to them um, so that they start considering my product. I hesitate to say because I don't necessarily have one. Um, but yeah, I've, I've taught them something useful and attempted to shoot them straight into the preference stage um, while also passively introducing my product to them, which could be consults, could be Patreon, whatever it is. Um, effectively, what you can do with the consideration stage, give them something, provide them value, and then transition them into that preference stage. Um, the second one is Carl's tweet, um, or, or Kenneth, excuse me, <laughs> we could call him Carl as a, as a meme. 
Um, in that tweet, Carl has established that he's looking for collectors, actually, which I admire because he's totally flipped the script and surprised his audience um, because we usually view like these transactional relationships of the artist. Um, of, I'm sorry, the, the collector looking for artists rather than this, this flip script element. Um, so it, it passively tells me that um, Kenneth has given a lot of thought into why his product exists and exactly who he wants to collect it. Um, so it forces collectors to not only consider the product, but lead them into preference. And this is done through placing importance on a specific type of collector, as well as urgency via the criteria that he um, that he's offering people. Um, so consideration doesn't necessarily have to be an exchange of value, but it could definitely be like a surprise that's in there. Nihilist, again, you do this by instilling the different values that you have within your NFTs. But instead of making that like a, a passive way of just introducing your nfts like that awareness stage you really start to hit home about why people should be interested in the rorschachs personally and then within the preference stage that's when you really smack it home which we'll get into um but wondering real quick with your dry mouth um do you want to um dive into anything that you do to really make collectors start considering um not only your platform but your work Hmm. 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 I'm. 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 I'm thinking this over. Like I don't like actively. I'm making you think, think today, this. friend. Like, <laughs> like I don't actively think on this every day and night. Um. I think so. It's you know, and we we've talked about this before. It's like how do you how do you present or market? Uh, I guess like niche art, right? Um, this is uh, this is a collection that in a lot of ways is fundamentally designed to deconstruct not only how we perceive photography, but how we perceive like what a photography collection should be in the space. Um, that in itself, um, I think is a really, really, really um, um, appealing way that I, that, that I used to try and, and, and market um, or, um, or express like, you know, Rorschach's even I'm talking about, and I, you know, and it's something that I can kind of casually talk about, uh, even when, it, when I, when I post about a Rorschach, because it is, uh, so, uh, inherent within them. And I think, um, I think for, um, I can't speak for all of them, but I think for a lot of collectors, I think at a certain point, there's always that kind of, uh, that, that pull and that desire to kind of uh, uh, look or search for the thing that you've never seen before that is uh, fundamentally different than what you know and are familiar with. And that's uh, definitely um, weird saying tactic, but I guess that's a, that's a, that's a tactic I, I guess I, I use uh, in regards to try and um, I think um, appeal uh, uh, to that, but uh, to, to, you know, to other collectors. But I think, um, I think the biggest thing is, um, and my favorite part of this is the fact that the, the bulk of the sales that I have gotten when I release new Rorschachs actually comes less from um, like letting people know that they're on sale or anything like that. But it comes from me creating new Rorschachs that are so entrancing and fundamentally different than the slew of the ones that come before. Because every time a new one's made and every time it's so different than all of like the hundreds that have come before, this, 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 this almost acts as a, as a signal, as, as like, as a, 
as I don't know, like 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 an, an awareness thing to where it's just like, oh, like not only is this, it it shows like it shows consistently, but like like not only is this collection getting more unique um, as time goes on, it's getting more unique as it gets bigger, which kind of uh, which kind of like goes against uh, the the notion that you know you know quantity you know over over quality, like Rorschach's, the quality is getting better the more I make. Um, and that's something that's kind of like really subversive and I think appealing to a lot of people. You always stop talking right when I'm trying to. It's intentional. It's absolutely intentional. Perfect. Perfect. You're perfect. I'm glad you're here. Um, yeah, perfect. Um, okay. 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 Um, just want to reset real quick and say hi to Sabad, Maheen, Austin. Hello, my friends. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for the retweets of the space. Appreciate it. Um, ooh, let's get Coda up here. Yes, please. Um, let me go into preference. Um, so preference is the third photo that is in the, uh, the pin tweet. Um, and in the first one, we've got Rachel Wood. Um, emotional appeals are in incredible for the preference stage and again um preference stage can be very very difficult for a lot of artists because i think that a lot of us have internalized that our art is not innately valuable um and i want to make sure that we come away from this space um understanding not only what our values are but how to communicate that in a way that even if you do feel very modest about your art you're now able to write about those values and appeal to those collectors um and emotional appeals are definitely one of them. Um, strong content often includes multiple examples of these emotional appeals. So taking a look at that first one, Rachel Wood tries to, uh, excuse me, chose to use a FOMO to encourage her audience to pay very close attention to her drops. She's empathized with those who missed out, as well as provided an alternative product, an alternative NFT. And then also there's a very strong appeal to charitable nature, which relies on the imagery of penguins to connect to the audience. And then in the second one, I have my love, my life, my lady, uh, Phoenix. Um, Phoenix has opted for uh, the FOMO appeal as well, but done it twice over. Not only has she passively laid the foundation for subscription availability, but a direct call to action to sign up for her mailing list. Um, combined, the audience is driven to the preference stage, where if they subscribe as well as sign up, they're also mailed a unique personal gift for their labors. And this, I think, rolls into what I haven't talked about yet, which is that surprise and delight stage where she has gone above and beyond to provide a, um, a surprise, a delight, um, a product um, in the mail for people. And like, who doesn't like getting surprises in the mail, you know? Um, so she's done a very good job within the preference stage of managing not only um, subscribers to her Twitch stream, but also now she potentially has email addresses and addresses so that she can create this like cyclical relationship with people to continuously subscribe. Um, so yeah, that's just a genius um, preference tweet. And um, bringing it back to Nihilus, I don't actually know. Let's see, what do you do with the preference stage? Do you do any like preference stage? Like, um, I, I know that you are doing like airdrops and now there's the, uh, the color Rorschachs that you have, but within preference, um, are you doing anything uh, on purpose really to, um, to convert people to prefer your NFTs over anybody else? 
Um, to prefer. <laughs> Give me a second. Oh, I kind of think <coughs> that the, the memes actually is kind of one way you do it. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, there's still still a little you residual good. COVID in there. Um. Uh oh. Um. Sorry. Okay. So so first thing I'm gonna need you to do, I'm gonna need you to I'm gonna need you to like. Uh, I guess re-explain what you mean by that, just so I can make sure I can answer that correctly. Because I don't want to go on a tangent; it's completely different. No, sure. Um, so preference is effectively a way of making a collector prefer you, and usually you do this through like an emotional relationship or emotional appeals. So, like even sharing the memes that you do by providing entertainment to people who value entertainment you could be creating that like cyclical relationship where now they're going to keep looking at your tweets. They're going to make sure that they seek out your content um, as well as perhaps buy your NFTs. Okay. So um, one thing I do that I don't actually recommend other people do is I do shit posts and I do roast my collectors in DMs. Um, I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, I, I think it is, it, it's it, it's one of those things like so like and when when it comes to like I I feel like in a weird way like my my relationship uh, with like my collector is like in private it is like strictly friendship and like on and and then on the feed like they you know they have you know they uh, they you know, come to see me you know for, for you know for the art and stuff like that um one of the things I think um that I uh that I do really um. I think the keeps uh, collectors like uh, the the ones the ones that I have like uh, that keeps them kind of returning is is not only um, the fact that they they do become excited to see um, the new things that are created within that, but um, how um, I I kind of uh, create new um, I guess a physical uh, value uh, within that. I mean, you were you were talking about. Um, <laughs> The, the whole uh, the, the notion of uh, surprise, like one of the things that I do that, that really actually um, has got my uh, collectors excited is um, is so with uh, with Rorschach's, I, I, I do this. I do this whole thing where like I ship out I ship out like two um, like a month, like, you know, metal essentially like exclusive like metal prints for the Rorschach that they hold. Right. Um, and that actually, um, and I'm, I'm slowly going to make my way through every single holder of a Rorschach. And it gives them something to look forward to in regards to, um, in regards to giveaways and, and things like that. Again, it's not something that has to be done. But I do that also because, uh, I, you know, shipping my, uh, like, you know, a metal print of, the, of you know, the held Rorschach, it, it creates, um, it creates, I think, a more intimate relationship of, that they have with the piece that they collected because that is a totally different uh, experience in person um and it, it it does i think it does create a, a little bit of hype um and awareness with that you know so like and we going back to the beginning um it's like oh new rorschachs are released on monday oh at you know the, the, you know, the beginning or you know of the month or stuff like that i'm going to be shipping out two more metal prints um things like that to you know winners that giveaway and we're going to you know cycle that around um when a collection when the, you know the collection reaches a new milestone right i i give away new rorschachs to holders and things like that um and so it's basically just for me um it creates a schedule and things like that around like how I can kind of appeal and benefit like to uh, the collectors. But that is stacked on top of the personal relationship I try to have with them, which again is 
shit posting and roasting them in the DMs. I don't recommend it. But even still, you're establishing that relationship, which is valuable to a lot of them. Also, you haven't like shit posted my DMs recently. Are we still friends, Nihilus? Are we are we okay? I just texted you like like yesterday. <laughs> I don't check my DMs. I don't know anymore, dude. Oh my god. Anyway, um, let me just illustrate the the last um, part of the conversion funnel real quick, and then I want to get Coda up here. And um, Subod, I don't know if you have time right now, but you are a genius when it comes to writing tweets, previews, and converting um, your collector. So if you have time, I would love to talk to you about, um, especially your first collection too. I like literally did a case study on it. It was so good. Um, so if you have time to talk about that, I would love, 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 love to talk to you about that. Um, but yeah, let me introduce um, conversion real quick and what those tweets look like, what their purpose is, etc. Um, just one more time in the uh, pinned tweets above. Um, the last image is uh, conversion tweets. So, oh my God, strong conversion uses calls to action. Please, dear God, use calls to action. A call to action is a purposeful uh, mean of demanding. And I don't mean like you're sitting here like forcing somebody to do something. It's just like a simple demand that, um, or reminder if you want it to be a little bit more gentle, um, that your audience performs an action. So please, 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 within your conversions, um, if there is a tweet that you are making where you want someone to do something, use a call to action. This is a purposeful use of a button, short phrase, or a sentence that suggests, again, or demands an action. Um, above, in that first one, I've used an emoji that leads the eye um, to the call to action, which is hit the reminder so that people come into that space. Um, I think that space had like 400 people in it at the time. Um, so calls to action, very good. Also topical, we can unpack that. Marketing is so complicated. Um, but yeah, I've, I've also used copy um, to lead my audience to the call to action. Um, that copy actually does have a structure that, again, if you do want access to any more of this information, it's called the PPP, haha, I said PP, um, and that is available in um, Discord. It's free to download. Please go look that up. Basically, what it is, is preview, proof, and preview. I have um, given my listeners a preview of what is going to happen, proof where I have um, established the reason that they should listen, as well as, again, another preview to what is going to happen, a reminder, if you will. Um, and again, for more on calls to action, please go download the, uh, the copywriting workbook that's in Discord. Um, would love to have you there. Um, the second one is from Wolf Mercury, and he has used several emotional narratives while also complementing the visual before leading the audience to his call to action, which is walk with me. Normally, I would advise ending a call to action there. Um, I'm sorry, ending the call to action right there. However, the emotional narrative enforces that very personal connection that he has established with his, connect, uh, his collectors. Um, note that he has taken time to tag super rare as well as use specific hashtags. So this post if, uh, aims to introduce Wolf to the NFT community at large, um, let them to uh, let them get to know him as well as convert people directly to his super rare. Uh, let me pause right there and let uh, let Brody in. Hi, friend. Hey, this is a really interesting conversation, and I have a question for you. I pose oh. the question: Is how does this 
relate directly to us as NFT artists trying to sell a specific piece of work on a specific platform. Like uh, first um, thread piece would be introduction to the JPEG. And then the second would be maybe a whip. And then the third uh, attached to that would be a link to the um, the page selling the piece of art. Like what's the call to action on that third piece saying, click here and buy my art without actually obviously saying that? Um, I think it would depend on what type of collector you're going for. So again, if we contextualize this down to those collector values and personas, that also deeply matters to the type of call to action that you make. So like hit the reminder is a very casual universal one, but what if, for example, you wanted somebody to see the full breadth of your portfolio uh, and like convert them to your website, for example, then you might say um, something to the effect of uh, preview the whole collection here, um, explore my entire portfolio and um, just make, you know, those type of appeals instead. Um, I feel like you asked way more than that, but does that answer the, uh, the last question? That's brilliant. And uh, relating to um, what I had just uh, pinned, I think that instead of, I, I really, I really like what you just said, because I think that relates to all of us instead of saying, Hey, click on, my link here and look at my piece because how many people actually do that how about what you just said something more akin to and this is the type of um, style this is my artistic style my genre and if you care to look at more pieces like this my whole collection is here is that is that what you're trying to say Basically, I mean, yes, there's there's four different stages that I'm trying to make sure that we start thinking about, mostly because most artists think that doing a marketing just means, hello, I have a collection, please go buy it. And it is so much more than that. But also your work has so much value and we want it to we want we want to make sure that it's breathing on the timeline. So instead of just saying, hi, I have a collection. This is one piece. Please go by. Uh, we just have all of these opportunities to instead illustrate to our collectors um, via not only the conversion funnel and what stages they're in, um, but also appeal to the different values that they have. Go ahead. You're talking about a conversation, aren't you? I'm having a conversation uh, yeah. with someone out there. Yeah. So like what you were saying earlier about, okay, so um, AI art and the procedure or whatever and the, the passion or the stuff that you were asking me about earlier. That's what you're talking about, right? Instead of like saying, hey, here's my link, go buy my art. You're saying, um, have a conversation or uh, like start a conversation with no one in particular, but see where that goes. That's kind of what that you're saying. is actually brilliant. Yeah. Um, let me use Austin as an example real quick. Let's see. I'm a wildcat caretaker. I'm a fine art feline photographer, musician, forest dweller. I take care of cats. I'm awesome. I'm about to have a conversation where essentially I pitch somebody my work. You would say something to the effect, of course, of, hi, I'm Austin, blah, 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 and introduce yourself. Great. But what about the conversion? Okay. 
So Austin could definitely start with the, let me scroll all the way back up to make sure I cover all of these. Start with the awareness stages by again, just very simply sharing his art. His art is literally gorgeous cats. Like who doesn't like cats? You can very simply post a cat video, post a cat photo and get awareness of your brand. Just being the content that it is. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's art for the sake of art. Um, but also he could use his, um, his history within um, the awareness stages and just simply tell people about himself, get them interested in his platform. So, hi, I'm Austin. I'm into cats. Here's my background. Great. That's the awareness stage. That's usually also the first thing that you dive into within a conversation when you're introducing yourself. So let's move into the consideration stage now. Within the consideration stage, you're trying to um, manage your expectations with people so that they follow you and just start getting interested in your content. And with that, I think that the full breadth of his portfolio is definitely one, uh, one way to go. But also, what are the values that he has within his collection? Um, do I know that he is a, a guitarist? He's a musician. That makes me personally interested in him now, which means, again, I'm going to start seeking out more of his content. And then if he surprises me with something personal, like his, um, like his guitar playing, that, I think, leads me into um, really thinking more about what other things he does, what other types of content that he makes, which leads me straight into that preference stage. Preference, again, um, is where we create strong content um, with a multitude of examples like emotional appeals. So I think that the strongest appeal for him would be the advocacy for cats that he does. He provides medical attention to cats. He makes sure that they um, have longevity, have quality of life, and that just pulls on anybody's heartstrings you know so it's very easy i think to if you recognize how to pull on people's heartstrings via their um via their values then that preference stage is so so easy to just cascade them straight into the conversion stage where you effectively sell them on something um and then again that bonus stage is that advocacy stage and if you do all of those very well and add that surprise and delight into it you have collectors and customers for life and yes brody it was brilliant i think that um establishing that like as a conversation is a really good way to approach that for people that um yeah might not have a, a scientific mind like a like I do I not to toot my own horn I'm not like haha I have a scientific mind but we just all think very differently and I think that um introducing it like conversationally um I might owe you royalties for that because I, I might adapt that thank you it's not too passive is it like you were saying earlier about the indirect method of reaching collectors um something that I said I can't remember what now it was like a mile back um about being more direct with like, is this too indirect by having a conversation or is this exactly what we want to be doing? I think you can do both. Are we talking about direct meaning you're like posting in their comments and in their DMS? Can you just qualify what that means? Oh no. Remember we were, yeah, I remember now it was, we were talking about uh, this, the um, uh, writing copy and the hashtags and specifically tailoring to them to individual collectors that were interested in getting noticed by it. and you were like well no that's in and too indirect i was i was just asked posing the question of whether or not this is uh too indirect ah, like okay 
Um, marketing yeah. very complicated. Okay, so if we're talking about algorithmic value, then yes, I actually think that through using keywords and hashtags within particular moments, that can be enormously effective, especially in the awareness stage. Um, awareness, again, is just you getting people interested in your platform. And through using the algorithm, keywords, and hashtags, I mean, those just go hand in hand as far as organic discovery is concerned. So if we, yeah, want to get into like platform specifics, then um, within the awareness stages of your tweets, hitting on um, keywords as well as mimetic devices and hashtags that inject yourself into specific communities um, and specific collector uh, hubs effectively, um, then yes, that is in a very, very smart way of doing that. Um, consideration, I think, is also smart, but as we keep getting into more specifics of the conversion funnel, I, I don't necessarily think that it loses value, but because now we're starting to get into actually converting people and we haven't done the job of educating our audience, um, well, who, whoever is um, within that that like organic discovery phase, I hope I'm making sense. This isn't word salad. We're a minute or uh, an hour and 42 minutes in, which means my brain is starting to rug. Um, just stop me if, if any of this is, is confusing. Um, but yeah, because we're, we're at the, the, the bottom of the funnel now, that means that, that um, the, the value of that organic reach um, is lessened. So use it within um, awareness and preference and really hit on it in there but within consideration i'm sorry not preference um sorry use them within the awareness stage and the consideration stage but less valuable within preference and conversion that felt like word salad but does that make sense yeah totally and i don't even know why i'm talking about the elusive collector because you know if i really think about it most of the people who have collected from me are other artists and the collectors who have collected are anonymous so so Matt, I want to talk to Austin and Coda real quick. Um, Austin, being that I was just gushing about you, hi friend. Um, you have anything to add? Hey Kino, um, this has been an amazing space. Like I, I feel like this is so needed. Um, there's there's so many people that I've seen like in the space since being here for a year that I feel like could really use like a leg up and in learning how to like kind of you know push their work and and do it in a way because it's like Twitter. I feel like there's a lot, like a lot of artists that came from Instagram um, last year, especially after like they started prioritizing reels. Um, and there was, you know, artists didn't want to exactly prioritize video content over their, you know, images. And um, like, it, it almost feels like people on Instagram, you know, Instagram kind of, at least in my experience, because I did music on there, I've done photography on there. Um, it seems like it's a bit more like of the very much web two, and it's it's like about maintaining like a clean like brand image almost. But then like with Twitter, it's like chaotic nature, and it's like shit posty, and you can just kind of be your chaotic self. And I feel like people really enjoy that, and they like kind of eat that up. I mean, I was in a space with uh, Punk two twenty seventy, um, I believe, and he was like, he he said essentially like. I love it when people ship post because it essentially gives me like an insight into their sense of humor and like their mind in general and how they think and feel. I mean, we saw this with like the North Cow guy memes, like that people were making those just so they like could get eyes, get his eyes on their work. <laughs> and it, it's like Twitter, like what Niles was saying, like ship posting. If people, like I was in a space yesterday and this guy was like, I, you got to be more professional. And it's like, I don't think so. Like, I think you should be yourself. 
like I post like I prioritize making cat memes I've been trying to do that more because I feel like it's an extra like you know way to to like pull in new people um and like with my stuff I'm almost done with this rant um because like you were talking about like the emotional appeal I try to post um like uh, images of like the supplies and medicine I've been, been able to buy like in the pin tweet I have I have examples of all that stuff that I've you know been able to purchase because of sales and I've been like posting videos um I think videos are like a huge huge benefit like beneficial thing to have like if you can show people your face I think it gives like a whole other level of trust like in your work and you yourself because people are putting money in you like whether you like it or not whether you want to admit it or not people are putting money into you and I think you know, you want to give some people some sort of sense of like who you are. And like, I'm working on like a mini documentary right now to kind of like show everything I do. So I think, you know, things like that, memes, videos of yourself, anything like that. I, you know what, I'm on a rant here, but this space has been great. And I'm like having a great time listening to it. I adore you. And I'm happy that you're here, friend. Um, Actually, speaking of showing your face and your personality and just the... I hesitate to say gross because obviously that has negative implications, but the gross amount of personality that somebody has, Coda, you amazing, amazing individual. I adore you. You are the god of showing your personality as far as I'm concerned, um, especially in video. And I wonder if I can just like shove all of that onto you real quick and just have you talk about the way that you use video on TikTok as well as on Twitter to just disseminate the gorgeous, gorgeous personality that you have. Also, I want to pick on Crypt real quick. Um, Crypt King just got in here and he also just started showing um, more personal content. Um, very like Gary V-ish is like feels like what he's going for as far as his takes are concerned. Um, so I'd love to uh, to have you come up and uh, and talk about what you do too, friend, if uh, if you have time. Um, Bakota, hello. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you use your personality to... Um, not only gain a following within that awareness stage, um, but definitely convert people into collectors as well. Oh my God, thank you for such a beautiful introduction. I love you and I miss you so much. It's so nice to be connecting again. Um, but yeah, video is my thing. That's why I kind of struggle with like shit posting because I just want to like be in front of a camera. Um, but yeah, literally I my personality shines the best like through the camera, like I've always been able to be myself around that and I think it's super important and it like builds trust with people and I've definitely built like a bit of like I guess not fan club or whatever but like I have people that like come to me because like how authentic I am and it's helped them be more authentic and just like seeing that um happen with other people has always inspired me to continue to like keep making these very authentic videos and bringing it into the NFT space last year was like super interesting because I've never really like made videos that are towards collectors, but and I'm still learning. But like, it's definitely fun to play around with like bringing more authenticity into the space because I, I honestly don't see it as much, um, and I'd love to honestly because I feel like I can connect better to people when they're showing their face, their personality. It's like you can read someone a lot easier than through like a text post, and like you can see like the trust. It's like huge for me. But yeah, I think. I don't know did I answer the question what was the question <laughs> <laughs> you're perfect um I wonder if you can talk about I mean whether or not you do it on purpose or not um can you talk about how you use your personality to get people interested in your platform and then convert them to collectors 
Okay, yeah. So that's I don't I don't even know. It kind of just happens. I can't fake being another person. Sorry about the cat. Um, hi. Um, this is a tough question because honestly, I haven't thought about it. It just happens. I have been like told to act a certain way sometimes for specific things, and it just never works out. But I I do think having a personality shine through uh, a video that explains what your collection is about, like shows how passionate you can be with your art, which in hand, of course, like makes the conversion work a lot better. Um, there's probably more to that, but it's really hot and my brain is not working. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Again, I'm an hour 42 in, which means uh, the chaos is about to begin in my brain. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I just think that you are brilliant with how you show the depth and meaning of your work. Um, oh, God. Yeah, the chaos is beginning. Hello. Um, the depth and, uh, and character behind your work and just like really digging into that personal significance and um, relationship and connectivity that you have with your collectors. Um, so maybe you don't um, necessarily appeal to every single value that your NFT has, but you definitely have very strong personal connections with them. And that, of course, has led to the, uh, the sales that you've had, I feel um similarly crypt king um you again have started posting um more personal content as well as disseminating value um opinions and um i hesitate to say business takes um but how are you leveraging um your your new video content and personal content um to convert people to your platform yeah thank you everyone for having me i'm sorry if there's background noise because i am outside right now but uh i'm on one of my nature walks but uh yeah no just <clears throat> you know i've been in the web 2 space and i work for a corporate company that i've always used sales as my background and i just felt like it was part of my time on my journey to take that next step which uh i'm working some you know uh at the end of this month i'll be with the outsider collective in houston to do a concert um, and we have some other stuff that I'm working with through mad rabbits and different stuff. And so, um, I just found it part of the, uh, maturity of, you know, the brand and things like that. And then for me, it's more leveraging on building a connection. So it's me, uh, using, uh, kind of, uh, my, what I look at as my strong points, which is communication. And, uh, once I, can leverage to someone uh, I use my communication to uh, make sure to understand that I'm supportive as well and then from there you know I have a private community get them in uh, I had I do have my own subset of philosophies which I think if anyone is growing you need to really if you're able if you if you're going to do a lecture or teaching or anything you need to have a set of philosophies you believe in that way you can teach others and then they can teach others so um, it's took me a while. I've been working on, you know, uh, my personal brand and myself for the last three and a half years in the web three space. And so, uh, our goal is to, um, teach others about IP and how to build IP off your NFTs and, um, and then also IRL parties and connections to, uh, you know, I'm working with some, uh, I'm working with Andy Schuler, who's the, uh, artist from boss baby to do his project. And, uh, then I'm working with the artists from uh, Beauty and the Beast as well. They're going to team up together and 
And so it's just, you know, being that bridge as well for the Web2 people that don't understand us as well. Uh, but I really, at this moment, I haven't launched a product just because uh, I understand, you know, I've helped six, seven uh, projects launch successfully and I'm, I'm, I advise for others. And I'm really just um, building a strong team and building strong vision behind it because I really don't want my project to be something that's like uh, anything that's close to a crash cash grab so i'm looking at the space seeing where the shortcomings are which i think it's education on ip it's education on security once you get rugged and and then trying to build tools off of that can you talk real quick about what your conversion plan is for your medium blog um the reason that i'm interested is because i mean obviously this is a, a copyright space um but you're specifically leveraging twitter to get people over to your medium and is there a final conversion that's within that just in the spirit of yes. differentiating content and uh, thinking forward about uh, the opportunities within the space yeah. So, um, you know, I'm looking at everything as a funnel. So if you look, I also have publications on mirror.xyz as well. Um, but for me, it's a funnel that you can respect my me as an author because and this is the thing. I don't have any uh, hidden agenda behind Medium itself. What it is, is the next step after that is I do have two books I'm working on right now. So it is a way for me not only to work on my writing skills, allow other publications to come aboard uh, my publication as well. And then, you know, through this process, I've partnered up with Aaron Vick, who's the next writer for Forbes magazine. And I'm also mentoring a lot of college students that are going to be future writers as well. So my goal is to do the same thing Rug Radio did. I have Born Media. And um, in order for me to do that, I have to let you taste test all the different uh, mediums. And so uh, by uh, giving you, uh, no pun intended, uh, my link to Medium and my writings, once I do publish a book, you'll be like, oh, I wanted some more of his writing. Therefore, and I did remember seeing it. And I know he has a good uh, publication team behind him. Therefore, everything for me is a funnel, you know, and and it's a funnel towards something I believe that is bigger than just today, you know. I definitely want to unpack more of that with you in another space. Um, I'm going to slide into your DMs a little bit more, friend. Um, real quick then, um, again, my brain is rugging, so I'm not sure how much time I have on this world, in this world, on this, I don't even know. Um, Supode, hi, friend. Um, I want to unpack. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about your first marketing campaign, your most recent. Um, like I said before, I did a bit of a case study. Um, I need to slide into your DMs too to see if that's publishable. Um, about your, your first marketing campaign, because the way in which not only you use the conversion funnel, um, but you also appealed dramatically to multiple uh, collector values and personas. Um, are you interested in um, just talking through what your thinking process was um, throughout that marketing campaign? My goodness, you know, you scare me with these words. You know, I don't even know what funnel, what, what, what was that? Oh, I don't no! even know what that is. <laughs> No, I'm serious, you know, like I don't do any of those things. When you told about all this initially, uh, marketing and etc., I was like, shit, what do I do when I go up? What do I talk about? Because I have no idea. To be very, very honest, I'm not even trying to be smart ass here. You know, I have no clue about all these things. I just came into NFT space. I had my work 
and it took a month to sell my genesis it's not like i came in and did some great marketing and everything got sold you know it, there's a lot of uh, uh, like every one of us do in you know, a lot of things that we you know attend spaces put your pictures in shilling threads this and that all that we go through initially i had to go through all those things you know there's no shortcut at all uh, to be very very honest you know and then eventually you start connecting with people and they do the work of publishing your work retweeting your work maybe they have some collectors in their uh, in their uh, you know ecosystem and they happen to see your work so i think for me very very honestly i don't even know anything about marketing you know uh, all i know is that people around you can do it for you if you are connected to them you know they push your work and that takes care of everything to be very very frank even today you know when i see my friends work which is not getting the traction i take it to my collectors who i am fortunate to have around me right now i take it to their dm can you have a look at this guy's work and i know some collectors have some taste you know someone wants only landscape someone wants something else so if their taste matches this particular image that i'm looking at i make sure that i go and put it into their dms so i think this this is the basic thing you know according to me the whole marketing thing in nft i really don't understand uh, to be very very frank and when i tell a story when i tweet out something i don't even think about any other things apart from telling a story you know whatever it could be it could be a bit of humor it could be something else just put it out you know i don't really think much <laughs> to be very very frank i'm sorry if i disappointed with my answer no not at all actually what i think is funny is that even artists who aren't necessarily aware of the rules of marketing you're still using the foundations which is your authentic voice and a means of communication and dissemination and like educating your audience about um what your art is even if you don't necessarily have this like grand context for it you know um i think that it's an admirable thing to be able to and again like marketing is is a function of art you're able to identify your style your voice your tone and educate people about your work and that i think is amazing um what i think i try to do is give people a tool set and um context to uh what they uh what they might be able to do but people who are naturally able to do that i think is an incredible um what am i trying to look for sorry brain is wrapped um that that's just a, an incredible um element that we have within the uh, within the community so no not disappointed at all um i think that it's just if it's anything it's funny that you're able to capitalize on what sounds like a lot of things that we do talk about in these spaces like storytelling like establishing relationships like um identifying what your values are and educating people um all of those are functions of marketing and you're just doing it in a very admirable way so like congratulations to you if anything suppose you know yeah i know like i get the chance to tell this quote it's become like my go to quote every time i come into a space which is from martin scorsese he says in a wonderful uh, quote that it's uh, you know as an artist it's your duty to make your audience you know care about your obsessions so that's all we do you know we tell the story of our pictures because it really matters to us we've been creating it for so long without no one giving a damn apart from those instagram likes and follows right now we have an opportunity where it can be collected we can be much more secure as an artist make some money survive much more you know in a comfortable way so when that opportunity is in front of you 
all we do is just go and tell the stories of why your work matters you know these are the stories of these people this is the story of this wildlife pictures that i take so I just tell the story so that people care about what i'm trying to share and once they care there will be all those retweets and quote tweets which come along and once that, that happens it's reaching the radar of those collectors who i never had a chance to connect with and maybe they will like it and maybe they'll connect with it and then the whole journey continues you know and it's not like tomorrow if i drop uh, something you know every time i drop something and it's not like i just drop with full confidence you know i drop with that great question mark in my head who's going to buy my work this time you know like even tomorrow i've been thinking of dropping something like a collection of one of ones and i'm like who's going to buy this time you know like that question continues it's not like everything is uh, comfortable and uh, confident you know you are always in that shaky ground that's what art you know most of the artists are made of i won't say everyone but at least me i don't have that absolute confidence that okay it's going to sell anyway you know not at all every time i post i'm like hope it works totally and for someone who does it naturally too um i do just want to say that again what we talk about up here are skill sets and i'm not suggesting that everybody needs to learn absolutely everything and like take any of this as gospel but rather if it fits you sit i'm just kidding oh my god my brain is so rugged um if if this works for you then fantastic if you feel more natural just telling your story um or like illustrating through education or something like that like all of those are things that are valuable and do have or um wow brain um and all do have um like marketing um elements to them so pick apart what works for you what feels natural and use those and if they work great repeat um but also if they don't work for you then um you are more than allowed to pivot and make sure just that when you're practicing marketing make sure that it feels natural that it's not laborious and that you and your authentic voice are shining through please please um brody i think that um Again, part of the reason I wanted Brody up here was because he took very hard to the algorithm workflow and did this like hyper scientific means of appealing directly to the platform and that is working so well for him. But for a lot of people that's not what they're interested in. They would rather tell their story. Some people aren't interested in their story. They don't want to get super personal about it, so they'd rather adapt to traditional marketing values. And all of these are a means of arriving at the destination of success. I just think that the means of um identifying what your style is and capitalizing on it and then learning a couple of skills and tweaking them to a way that works for you is what we're trying to get at here. So, in summation, um if you're taking apart um if you're taking anything from any of these, please take the skills that work for you that feel authentic to you and if it doesn't work, we're in Discord, we're happy to uh, to have these discussions more to uh, to make sure that um your authentic voice is what's communicated with ever uh, what marketing values you choose maheen my friend go ahead it's good to see you uh, hi hi everyone hi kino hi and hi brody uh subod hi again <laughs> austin crypto kid and captain and everyone who's listening um yeah i just want to say uh i think you know i've heard a lot about your spaces but i never really i don't know it's the timing or what but like Uh, I'm in the EST zone, but I don't catch your spaces. So, but I definitely will. And I've actually suggested couple of people to go to your spaces because I know you talk about marketing and 
you know, how to increase your engagement and all of that. But I couldn't come myself. This is the first time. So I'm really, really happy. I also want to say like Subodh here, like he's a great friend and I try to learn from him because um, firstly, like uh, one thing that he didn't mention is that like he has quality work like that, that, that you have to admit that gives him a that gives him uh, an edge right and, uh, and and he just grew his community very organically which is something uh, that is that is what I think NFT space is all about uh, now right now like you know growing organically so if he doesn't show up we all know like if he's gone for two weeks we all know that Subodh has gone to some place to shoot like we we know about what he's up to even when he doesn't have to tell and also one good thing about one smart thing about marketing is that you need to market yourself in a way that it doesn't look like you're marketing yourself. And he does it really, really well. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for saying that, but you do. Okay. You know it. Well, explain. explain. His, okay. What was your last job? So we'll just tell everyone. What was your last job that you quit? Wasn't it in marketing? I, I need to tell two things about that job. Yes, it was marketing, but I quit that, that job because I sucked at it. You know, I didn't know how to do marketing. That's why I quit the job. No, I'm just joking. No, I'm just... But yeah... The... I know you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeremy is laughing because he knows too. But um, yeah, so that's the greatest thing. Like you you try to, uh, you know, share your story. Like even when I'm hosting spaces, you know, I tell people, uh, they go like, oh, is this a shilling space? Uh, firstly, like I hate this word, but like they go like, oh, can we talk about our work? I was like, if you're smart enough, you would do that while introducing yourself, right? So now you've lost the chance, like, you know, <laughs> but yeah, small things really matter. You need to be smart. You need to know how to tell your story without le- letting people know that you're telling your story because your story becomes about you. Your art is all about you. Right. So that kind of thing as well. Um, and I'll I'll definitely, uh, you know, talk a little bit about myself next time because I know you, you're short on time and you're like closing the space. So I respect that. But it's nice to have, like, just want to say hi to you for today. And yeah, I wanted to give uh, some flowers to Subodh. He so deserves them. And thank you for all the compliments, Mahin. Um, let me grab Captain up here before, oh, and Tuco's coming. Everybody's coming up. Oh, no. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, and yeah, Subodh, I think that if anybody deserves praise for the way that they have handled their marketing, it's definitely you. Regardless of, again, if you like know all of the rules and subscribe to anybody's newsletter, like you're doing it all right. And I think that's kind of the beauty of marketing and of um, Twitter as a platform is that we're able to capitalize on so many different marketing strategies. Um, and again, whether or not we know it, um, let me grab, um, Tuco, Captain Austin's here. Oh God, everybody's coming up. Al, my friends are here. Tuco, how are you? Hey, Kino, how are you? I'm loving the space. It's good to see you. (laughs) Yeah, good to see you. I don't know about your co-host Brody. I always wonder about that guy, but you know, we'll let them slip by. Oh my God. I was about to say, Hey man, how are you doing? I love you. But then you trash me. So I I didn't trash you. I'm just bringing the truth. No, one quick question, and and this goes. Brody is excellent at shit posting. I'm not. I never know. You know, my my nature is I don't want to insult someone, and I don't know someone's sensitivity. So I, I I'm I'm curious about that. But but me. <laughs> but one of the things is when to QT and when to RT. 
one of uh, I, I've had several different um, approaches with people, and some say, well, RT keeps the engagement going for the person, but sometimes QT helps then launch it into your uh, followers, or you might be providing engagement. Uh, I, I'm curious about that, Kino. The let me contextualize that real quick. Um, you have been told that retweets prioritize your followers or don't pri what or what? No, no, no. That the retweet is helpful for the artist you're helping push because you are by algorithm or whatever the, the algo's thinking, you're helping create more engagement for that artist. The the QT. And that's where my question is. I used to do a lot of QTs and then people were saying, hey, you might be screwing people over. And I was like, well, that was not my intention. But I, I like doing QTs because then I break down what I'm looking at. And, and then by doing so, I was assuming then I would be giving them access to followers they might not have with my followers. So I'm just curious if, if that's all up in, <laughs> up in my head, which could totally be, but just, just curious about it. Well, <clears throat> according to my research, um, retweets are a universal good. They uh, refresh and boost engagement for the author, commenters, and give the retweeters a nice pick-me-up. Additionally, quote retweets are very powerful support structures for the content as well as the author. So a quote retweet provides an opportunity to add more content to Twitter, which is highly valued by the platform, therefore by, or I'm sorry, by the algorithm, excuse me. Um, this is essentially an opportunity for the new author to contribute their thoughts to the original post. Further, every original tweet is captured just below the quote retweet, so the original tweet is never lost. So you never have to worry about um, like accreditation and things like that. But okay, why is that so beneficial? Um, well, recall that retweeting is part of the amplification engagement metric, which like we can go into. I've talked about that a couple of times, but basically it's the highest valued engagement metric on Twitter. It also does the job of refreshing interest on the timeline through potential exposure. And before moving on, the ultimate kindness a creator can give another is that quote retweet with rich media. Rich media is an algorithmic factor. It's just a fancy way of saying an uploaded piece of content, which includes GIFs, images, as well as videos. Um, and what it does is give, do all of that good stuff that a retweet as well as a quote retweet does, but it takes it another step, algorithmically speaking. So people generally see this as the most supportive means and a massive complement to their work. So in short, retweeting, sure, builds relationships, has algorithmic value, and hopefully in return that kindness is reciprocated. But a quote retweet with rich media does all of that good stuff, plus gives it that extra algorithmic value via that, uh, that rich media. Um, so yeah, there is zero reason not to do a quote retweet with rich media. I think that it is the ultimate kindness that you can do anybody that's free as far as Twitter is concerned. And there is no reason to be stingy with your retweet finger as far as that's concerned. Um, real quick, I have a little workflow to that um, that I'll offer. I'll open it to the top too. 
Um, but effectively, what I try to do when somebody has a, uh, a new piece of work, a new collection, whatever, is I will go to their collection, be a dirty, dirty right clicker, um, download whatever my favorite piece is from that, um, quote, retweet, obviously, upload that to the tweet, contribute more content to Twitter via saying something about their work, and then hit send. Um, again, I think that is the ultimate kindness that you can do anybody. It has algorithmic value for you, for the retweeter, uh, I'm sorry, for the original author, as well as anybody who is involved within the comments after you do that quote retweet. Um, that was a lot too, Code. Does that make sense in answer your question? Oh my God, Kino, I wish I had a crowd or an effect so I could do the stadium clapping. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much. You're amazing. I love you for this kind of stuff. <laughs> so. Can I add something more? Like just one sentence. Like also, like the the people or artists you retweet, you 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 see their work. Otherwise, you will lose them. Like you don't see their work if you don't retweet. So I've seen that too. So just retweet the people you want to see, uh, so that like they can see your work as well. So if you don't want to see them, don't retweet them. <laughs> That's what I got from it. Okay, cool. Uh, no, thank you so much, everyone. That's that's wonderful, Kino. Then it, you know, I'll just keep doing what I do, which is is a retweet and then a quote tweet. As, especially if I like someone's work, I like breaking it down because sometimes people, it, it just helps look at the aesthetics of, of a, a of a piece of art and and why appreciate it. And it just the more you learn to appreciate art, the more you'll appreciate art. And so that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Awesome answer. Love it. Love you. Thank you. I adore you. Um, let me get to the next hand. I can't remember if it, oh, Catherine was up here first, technically. Oh no. Oh no, friend. We don't, we don't like that. We don't like that at all. Um, go ahead, Catherine. I, I believe Austin had it first. Damn it. I'm usually so good at curating everybody. Go ahead, Captain. Nah, I was saying Austin had their hand up first. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Who's going to go? I'm just going <laughs> to jump in real quick and say that just be cautious, guys, because I know that um, Kino's words are very valuable and, and just follow them because it, it's worked wonders for my algo. But just remember, if you quote retweet, that's a new tweet and it will affect your algo if people don't comment on it and rather click through. And I suppose a click through is helpful for, for the algo, but just be cautious. Don't do it too often. I know it's Kino always says it's very helpful for everybody, and I totally agree. But, you know, if you're watching your algo, just be careful. So just want to throw out there, um, to what Brody just said, actually, I'm kind of surprised. I don't know if there's data on that or not, but I haven't found any decrease in my engagement when I, you know, attribute quote tweets to stuff that I want to share. Um, what I wanted to say to this concept of quote tweeting is I actually really, really urge and encourage, like, I, I hope that. I get more quote tweets than anything else. I mean, the reason that I have a following is I would post sets, people would quote tweet them. And two days later, I would retweet the quote tweets. I'd go through and retweet five or 10 quote tweets. And all of a sudden I get a new surge of, of energy on the post from two days ago. So that's something to think about as well. When you create a quote tweet, you're creating a new thing that that original author can go back and retweet and it puts more eyes back on their photography or whatever it is. And again, that's literally one of the biggest reasons why you see a lot of photographers retweeting quote tweets. It's because it generates a crap load of extra engagement and extra extra uh, eyes, uh, impressions on, on their work. Um, but at the same time, like 
I, I don't know. Maybe there is a, a downside to using quote tweets that don't get engagement. I think that then it comes into like, you need to be adding a little bit of value if you're going to quote tweet, which is one of the reasons why I don't do it often because it's energy consuming, like very energy consuming. But I think if you even putting out a one liner that shows that you actually looked at the entire collection, looked at the work and thought about something and added your opinion on it, uh, people will definitely like that and engage with that 100 percent. It's when people just retweet with a quote tweet and just put like a fire emoji. Those are typically the ones that really kind of do dog shit on the timeline, if I'm being honest. So I think it's really important to like consider the reasons that you're doing things. Um, and, and if, as long as you're mindful of, of how much energy and effort you're putting into things, I, I really feel like you'll get engagement on just about anything you post. So just wanted to throw that out there. That's sort of, that's something I get so stoked when I have a post and then, you know, two days later I go through the quotes. I'm like, Oh crap, I have a bunch I can retweet. Like that is super helpful for my engagement. Totally, totally, totally. Um, to that too, to hyper contextualize and give people way too much information. Um, so the algorithm is affected by the engagement that your posts get, but engagement does not tell the whole story. Um, I think that people, no, I shouldn't position it that way. Um, I think that leaning on your engagement rate, especially the way that Twitter, um, calculates engagement rate. Um, oh my God, how much of this do I want to unpack right now? Um, because of the way that Twitter uh, calculates um, engagement rate, I don't think that's fair. And I also think that if you're leaning on that to tell how effective your marketing is, because it doesn't tell the whole story, um, just don't lean too heavily on what that number is. And what I mean about the unfairness of it is that it uses impressions. Now, let's say that a giant account, let's say that Austin does me the kindness with his giant account of retweeting one of my posts. Great. Now I have like 100,000 bazillion people who might see my, uh, my tweet, but maybe they're not going to engage with it. Oh my God. Now I have 100 bazillion people who have seen my tweet. My engagement rate is now 1.6. And that's because the engagement rate calculates impressions versus um, the types, uh, a, a specific type, uh, sorry, a specific set of amount of engagements on the tweet, which means it's probably going to, um, to tank my engagement rate. But again, that's not the whole story because Austin, if he is retweeting purposefully and making sure that he is exposing my tweets to, um, his audience that is interested in my tweets, that means that I could actually be afforded click-throughs and opportunities and things like that. So I don't want to say that that um, I, I, what I'm what I'm not trying to say is that big accounts are going to tank your engagement, therefore bad. Not at all. I'm just saying that engagement rate as a um, just if, if we take engagement rate at face value, it doesn't tell the whole story, and you might uh, you might not be being fair to us to your account. I hope that makes sense. Go ahead, Austin. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And just to kind of go along with that, I think everything at the end of the day. Well, well, to back up. Um, in terms of like my following, maybe being uninterested in something that you post and therefore seeing it, not, not engaging, that could be a definite threat. Um, but I think it comes down to, there's sort of like a, like a positive feedback loop that adds to itself over time where, you know, I post photos every day and then more people that like photos, see my photos. And then those people talk about it. And then I retweet their stuff and my audience is like, Oh cool. I like photos. I like their photos too. And so most of the time I try to be pretty mindful about what I share I only really share stuff that I actually like because of that reason. Cause I don't want to one, just like 
be shoving stuff in people's faces that I don't think they're interested in. Like I kind of know what my audience likes per se. And I say audience, it's such a weird thing to say, but, but it's true. Like I, I kind of understand like what they like and what they don't like. Um, but then on just the idea of impressions in general, I do actually really think people need to think about that a lot is, you know, I have obviously had sets do incredibly well. Like I've had, you know, posts get thousands of likes and that's great. Um, but, you know, the reality is like my pin tweet, which is probably going to get 100 likes max. And uh, that's great because I'm probably going to get 50 link clicks on that thread. And that's what I care about is like the conversion of, you know, what how many people are actually going to do what I want them to do, the purpose of that post. So that's something to think about, too, is like, how can you encourage how can you encourage other forms of engagement, not just impressions or likes, but you know, actual follow through, actual clicks, you know, on links and um, maybe, you know, messages or comments. Like, how do you encourage that behavior as well? Super important to think about. Completely agree. And I see Tuco's hand up. I'm going to let him go. Go ahead, friend. Uh, Thank you, Kino. Uh, And just wanted to follow up with Austin. Um, I have pretty intense ADHD. And so hearing your thoughts are super awesome. I'm just curious about your organization with going back to uh, quote tweets that you retweet, do you bookmark? Because I'm the type of person I'll be like, oh my God, I love this. Let me remember. And three days later, I'll spend, you know, 20 minutes trying to find that tweet that I'm trying to, that quote tweet that I'm trying to retweet. So um, if if you could um, let us know a little bit about your workflow on that, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, so they, I don't really follow it strictly, but the general thing I do is, Um, usually I will post something, you know, throughout the day or whatever, and I may respond to comments. I kind of sparingly do that if I want to throughout the day, but there's always a set time, you know, usually at night, right before bed, I'll just respond to every single comment that I had gotten that day. And you can do it either by clicking specifically on the tweets in your media tab or whatever it is, like going through your own Twitter and finding them and then just responding there or you can go to your notifications and select the mentions tab and scroll down that area and just, you know, click on each piece and, and uh, or click on each reply and reply there that way. Um, so that's, I usually do that the same day. And then the next morning, a lot of times, or the next day at some point, I go back to the posts from the day before. And it's just a rhythm that I have, but I go back to the posts the day before and I just go into the retweet section and just, you know, go crazy retweeting all of them. So um, I try to keep it like a flow, but I just find that it's, again, it's just, it's not super important to me, but I do think, you know, if you can squeeze a little extra engagement, something wrong with that. And so I'll just, you know, I'll take the quote tweets from, you know, posts on the day before and retweet them today. And usually that gives me a little surge of, of engagement on my, on my previous stuff. So, um, yeah, it's usually like the day after and I just check my media tab and go through cause I'm posting photography. If you're posting tweets, I mean, it's a little harder cause they're not filed. And if you're tweeting a lot, you know, you have to go down to your timeline, but I mean, I don't know. I think it's worth the effort, honestly. Thank you. No, I, I agree. I think it always comes down to to how much engagement you give back. Um, but thank you, Austin, and, and thank you, Kino, for letting me ask. Literally anytime. I'm just happy you're in my bubble to go. Um, let me let Captain go next. Yeah. Hi, Captain. Hello. What's up, everyone? Hello. Um, Honestly, I might be in the minority here but like i have a very different view of retweets and in particular i think so like ever since i started really exploring like the photography side of twitter i would go to multiple artists page right and i would just scroll their twitter for just minutes and minutes and minutes the one thing that really stuck out to me was 
yeah, they're they're sharing and they're supporting other artists, but they're actually bearing their own content because I'll go to someone's page and it would be just 200 retweets of other people's work. And I'm like, this looks good. Yeah. Other people's art looks good, but like, where's your work? And then like, you know, you could say, Oh, just jump to the media tab. But at the same time too, it's like, sometimes you have to account for like um, people's illiteracy when it comes to social media and they might not have that knowledge right away. So like if you at first impressions, if you're scrolling somebody's tweets, but you're not really connecting with their content, you're not really getting a gauge of like their and any of their tweets at all, it makes it a little difficult connecting with the artist, I feel like. So I actually have a ratio of the amount of um, retweets and adjacent content to um, your marketing tweets or your uh, direct engagement tweets. But I saw Sabot's hand up and I want uh, to let him go first. Jeremy is also a collector in the scene and um, I am very interested in what your take is just in case you do um, collect based on how supportive um, an artist is. But uh, Sabot, do you want to uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what Captain said, and he already mentioned that the media tab. I think it's just a matter of, you know, getting used to Twitter. Even when I came in, I used to wonder, like, how do I find people's work? It's all retweets. And then I think it's a matter of getting used to Twitter. And uh, once we are all, like, familiar with this whole thing, I think we'll all jump into media right away to see exactly what we have to offer. And then the other uh, section, which is the main homepage, becomes for all the retweets. I think uh, just you know, so just for the fear of our work getting buried, if you stop uh, retweeting, I think it will not kind of serve the purpose. You know, I think it's important for us to keep mentioning that. Please go to our media whenever you want to see our work. Jeremy, do you have a take on that one? No, you know, uh, I think um, uh, Captain, uh, he's got somewhat of a point because I definitely have gone through like um, the tweets trying to see um, how somebody is just interacting normally, because I do think that at, at this point, like um, people who are still in the spare market, it's kind of a, a good idea to vet the kind of people that you're interested in in trying to see how they interact. And so uh, I, I can see how there can be a little messiness in that whole retweet section, because it's like um, people are just so focused on engagement farming rather than just kind of being genuine who they are. And so I, I do kind of have some agreements with, but I, I do see both sides of, of this um, particular situation. Um, no, you know, Kino, I, I actually just wanted to come because I, I love listening to you because um, I'm always learning something more about how Twitter works. I am totally a believer that engagement farming is super gross. Um, I, I don't like to practice in it. I don't. I, I, I see through when people are doing it all the time. And, um, it, it, but it, I, of course, I understand this is a business. You know, people are trying to handle things but on a business sense. But, you know, Kino, I would actually really love for some time you come to uh, our Thursday space and to speak to a bunch of authentic kind of uh, 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 group of artists that really don't like uh, engagement farming. They really just want to be their genuine selves. And maybe you can help them walk through how to navigate treating Twitter as just like a place where they're trying to show their work and they're not trying to uh, blow smoke up people's asses. You know, oh my they're God, not you're trying my favorite right now. 
you know, they're not just trying to, like, I see it all the time with artists that are like posting questions, but they're not really posing the question. They're just trying to engagement farm. And so, um, you know, most genuine people understand what that is or what it is. And um, I, I know that you're the kind of person that would be able to help uh, artists who are not trying to do that, how to navigate the system. Because um, I don't know, I, I feel like we, we should try to just be our, our organic selves as much as possible. I do understand this is a business, but the more that we can just kind of uh, uh, find the right market for the kind of people that um, are connecting as like, uh, you know, the, the more shy or um, the more shy and introverted type of artists. Completely. You know, this, this sound, this sounds like a very thin line between uh, what you speak about in your algorithm uh, workflow and what Jeremy is alluding to as engagement forming. Could you explain to everyone the difference between engagement farming and uh, training your oh, algorithm? Happily, yes. Um, okay, so engagement farming is effectively a type of newsjacking slash a deceptive means of attempting to boost your own platform without um, any due credit or um, contextualization for your audience. Drop your art here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so what it what it is so actually shit posting can kind of count as one um but with enormous nuance to that take um i can dive into that if you really want me to but enormous enormous nuance with uh, with shit posting um but effectively what we're talking about with engagement farming is capitalizing on people's fears or people's emotions in order to garner engagement from it and in this case it is like the fear of not being able to feed your family one month because you need sales um, so we, we have a lot of people in the space who are deceptively saying things like, yes, drop your art. And that, again, capitalizes on people's emotions in order to boost their own platform and garner them more of a following. It actually does nothing to help the people who are commenting and also kind of has an almost ironic spin, algorithmically speaking, um, without control for your conversions, as well as a means of pivoting your algorithm um, effectively what an account might be doing is absolutely trashing their account because they are inviting so much engagement from a random um, uh, number of communities and type of um, uh, values within the space. And what I mean by that is that without, um, you can, what do I mean by that? By building a massive audience, if you are able to pivot to a target audience within that set amount of audience, um, you can effectively monetize them. And that's kind of where shitposting come in, uh, comes in and why it's so damn effective as far as marketing is concerned is that shitposting is a way of building massive platforms and then monetizing it. Great, but it's not really a deceptive means. And that is where my problem with um, engagement farming comes in is the deception and capitalizing on people's emotions in order to selfishly gain an audience. I think it's gross. I don't agree with it. Um, and yeah, it does have algorithms algorithmic values, but we are talking about two completely different things, um, algorithmically speaking, and um, with engagement farming. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Thank you for explaining.
Yeah, I'm sorry. My brain is so rugging right now. I hope I'm not like word salading. Um, but real quick, before I get to the hands, um, Captain, you did bring up a really good point, And I just want to uh, uh, add my take to it real quick. Um, so when it comes to having specific uh, types of content on your timeline, um, you're specifically talking about within somebody's proprietary timeline, not within their own timeline or the main feed. Um, so when somebody goes to your profile, obviously you have all of the content that they have both posted and retweeted. Um, and I think that um, Austin has a really good take on that with how he curates the type of retweets that he has and contextualizes that not only to what his audience is interested in, but also potentially um, what gives him value for his platform. Um, and with that, too, I, uh, the, 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 the formula that I have is that 70 to 30 percent. 70% um, uh, reshare and community value tweets, um, even personal tweets if you really wanted to count it as that, versus 30% marketing tweets. And again, marketing tweets isn't just, hi, I have a collection. This is a photo within the collection. Please go buy it. Like, no, no. There are a multitude of ways to enrich not only your collection and your art, but um, disseminate, educate those values within your timeline. So a... Um, a ratio of 70% uh, to 30% uh, on your timeline, again, retweet to marketing tweets, um, I have at least identified as the best ratio for your content. Um, now, there are people who have gone back through their own timeline and actually deleted retweets. And that's actually pretty smart. Um, so that if you do have a collector who do wants to get straight to your work and see very specific content only from you, then yeah, you could go back and um, uh, delete retweets and curate in that way. Um, because usually the timing factor, um, the timing factor as far as your retweets are concerned, um, die off after about three days, I've found. Um, that's loose. I have not done enough research on that. So don't take that as gospel, please. Um, but about three days, it still has value. And then it just dies off. Um, so yeah, if you did want to go back and um, curate your timeline, delete tweets, feel more than free to do that. Um, but what one, one more thing, I'm so sorry, um, is that retweets also have that algorithmic value where if you do retweet, you do um, train your algorithm towards those communities, towards those genres and towards the values of whoever you're retweeting with. Um, so if you're um, training your algorithm, you're trying to get into a community or whatever, um, retweets also do have that very heavy um, algorithmic value and will therefore prioritize your content on their timelines as well as um, feed you content based on your engagement. So I hope all that makes sense. Um, but yeah, does, does that all make sense? Sorry. Yeah. Hello. Case in point right here. Hello, algorithm workflow participant. Right. It, it totally, what you said is super accurate, like 100% accurate. Because before I was waffling in the wind, right? But I still, like, I'm a retweet and like maniac. Like, oh, God, I do not follow the 70-30. I'm like 100 well, 90, 10 for, I retweet everybody that I love. I don't retweet everyone, but for sure, I totally train my algo and it's like only showing me and uh, people that are following me are like, yeah, I love seeing your stuff on my timeline. I'm like, what? 
my stuff is showing up on your timeline. So yeah, you're, you're it works. You're a genius. I'm <laughs> just doing my best, boss. Um, let me get to the hands. Um, Captain, did you want to respond before um, we open it up? Yeah. Um, honestly, myself, because I didn't, I don't really have the data on this. What you were speaking to, but like the quote retweets, it's that's. I think that's one of the trickiest tools to actually fully understand because quote retweets can be very successful. And then honestly, most of my time from observing quote retweets is like, wow, this person didn't really generate that much engagement with their quote retweets. And that has honestly sometimes led me to almost stay away from quote retweeting because it's like, one, there's so many nuances to what we're speaking on too, right? So like, if you're going to quote retweet someone, it's all about who you're exposing that to your demographic and really if they're even interested in your quote retweets so it's like it's kind of like the type of content you're quote retweeting who you're who you're like exposing it to but i can't help but feel like most of the time when i observe these quote retweets they don't it's 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 very weird it's it's one of those tools that are that's really hard to master but like if you can master it it's very effective Extremely, yeah. Um, let me have, um, I don't know if Austin, you want to um, return to or repeat um, how you retweet, just because that was so good. Um, but I also want to let you go and then let Ginger go. Uh, sure, yeah. So basically, I just, uh, I use them as sort of like a back end, like boost to engagement. So when I see a post that has died down, um, if I want it to just have like a new, an extra wave of interest, I will utilize the quote tweets. I'll just retweet. So if I have a set of photos, for example, um, I'll go in and actually retweet all the quote tweets, um, like the day after and generate some more eyes onto those posts. But I actually, I, I wanted to pose a question. Um, cause so I, I have a, like a skateboarding project and I do almost entirely raffle sales at this point. Um, and it's on another account, so it's not even on Awesome Visual. But I have found that, you know, that's a very obvious engagement farming tactic. And that's, I'm not like pretending that I'm not doing that. Like I do these raffle sales because it's fun, but I know that, you know, if somebody retweets to enter it, uh, their following is going to see it at the very least, see it, maybe enter as well. And it's built, my community and people actually really have responded really positively to it. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, like, do people in the room really think all engagement farming is bad? Because I, I don't. I think it's super useful in some cases. And actually, um, I'm a pretty strong proponent of it. I mean, Twitter is the tool and I intend to use Twitter to my full advantage. Um, and yeah, I'm just curious, like, any thoughts on that? I don't know, because it seems like the sentiment is generally that it's bad. And I've never really understood. I, obviously, like those drop your art is that's a silly example. Like, I, I mean, more like intentional examples um i'm curious if anybody has thoughts um i can just uh say real quick i do not condone unethical marketing and unethical marketing usually again means capitalizing on people's fears or newsjacking in a way that takes advantage of um like social struggles for example um just topics that have nothing to do with the product um or it creates um shit what is the word i'm looking for um 
creates a, a negative conversation and a negative feedback loop um, that, again, like exposes the brand. Um, but it's, it's very different from shitposting. Like, again, shitposting is very, very close to what we're talking about, but it's not quite the same. Um, but I saw Captain's hand uh, rise up. Go ahead, friend. Sorry, I, I just wanted to jump in real quick and then Ginger can go. Um, yeah, this is a very nuanced conversation as well. Uh, I actually do think there's a very organic way of engagement farming. It, it, it's entirely dependent on how it's done. I definitely do engage in organic farming, but also at the same time too, I try to balance it out with actually engaging with your community. So like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do a tweet, right? That says, um, please share your art. I'm actually going through every single tweet individually, liking their work, going to their profile, checking their work out. And then we're actually connecting in the DM. So like from that type of engagement farming, I'm actually doing underground behind the scenes, organic, marketing behind the scenes through like all the dms that's honestly where a lot of my connections and networking is made through purely dms it's like i talk to everybody in this space so i think there's a way to go about it but what you're speaking on in particular yeah it's very gross when you leverage people's emotions to to grow yourself there's nothing wrong with um to, well hold up wait do you think i'm doing that i'm curious there's wait, nothing who? Well, I was going to say, do you think I'm doing that? Because now I'm like, that's, that's interesting. No, 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 you're, you're not doing that. Like I'm, like I'm saying there, there are ways. So like, if you're going to engage, so like, if you're going to do like the giveaway retweet route, I actually think there's a lot of benefits to doing giveaways at the same time too, because like, there's a lot of new people coming into this space and they might not have all the money to actively participate and engage or support or whatever. So like, there's many ways to support. So like, I do think the right type of giveaways, it allows newer people to come into your community and actually build with you and actually stick around with you. So like what we're speaking on is not a one size fits all approach because there's so many nuances to everything that we're talking about. Also, um, I don't think that contest is unethical because you're being honest about um, not only the time and uh, like, action or desire that you have for somebody to do um you're being honest about that as well as the return um for their time or action so i i don't think that that's unethical no um ginger you've had your hand up forever friend let me uh, let me make some space for you oh it's okay hello everyone i uh, hope you're all good i had a question more or less uh, i wanted to ask to the to the whole group um I wanted to ask if it affects the algorithm if someone doesn't tweet something out a day or two or how many times per day should someone tweet something out? Because for me, sometimes I feel I don't have anything to say or to show and I could go a day or two without tweeting anything. But does that affect on the long term uh, my algorithm, my engagement and all that or not? Okay. Um, so if we're talking about the amount of time that you need to go between your tweets, let's, let's say that you are very active one day. Um, I usually recommend actually, sorry, I actually, I actually, actually, my brain is so rugged. Um, I recommend waiting about a 45 minute period between your original timeline tweets to let them breathe. So you definitely do have a little bit of space between um, those original tweets. If you did want to um, like continuous post. Um, now to the, the converse of that though, is that 
lack of content. And if you don't feel inspired one day or um, you just literally have nothing to say, you are not compelled to say anything. Um, and I think that one reason that Twitter is such a fantastic platform is that um, any post, for example, um, is able to go viral at literally any point in time. Um, there is a, a passive algorithmic factor of timing. Um, I think I've named that the second um, passive algorithmic factor. So there, there's definitely value there. Um, but that is very easily refreshed by new engagement on a post, a retweet, and especially a quote retweet with rich media, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so no, I, I don't want anybody to feel compelled, like they have to um, be eternally on Twitter, um, because it's it's a very friendly platform. And as far as the algorithm is concerned, I, I know this might be a, um, a controversial take for some, but I think that it is the friendliest uh, algorithm of any social media, except for TikTok, um, specifically because we are able to take space from it. We don't have to be terminally online in order to succeed here. And then also there is a multitude of, again, like marketing tactics that you can take if you are um, neurodivergent or um, nonverbal or um, you have a nine to five job. Like There are so many different ways that we can talk about marketing on this platform using spaces instead. Like there, I, I was gone for two months. I was gone for two months and everybody's still here and it's fantastic and I'm not going to cry about that. Um, but yeah, I was gone for two months to plan my own project and because of my own algorithmic training, I was able to get back into it within I don't know, probably six days or something like that. Um, but that's because I took the steps to train it ahead of time. And again, I'm not suggesting everybody needs to train their algorithm or you're going to fail. Not at all. Um, but by doing so, I think that you can definitely take a much bigger step away from uh, the platform because you're able to um, retrain it very quickly to whoever your target audience is, whoever your community is, and get your content right back in front of them. Um, does that answer your question, friend? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, very, uh, very informative, everything you said. I did jump in to the space like a few minutes ago, so I missed out on a lot, but I'm glad that it's recorded. So I'm going to check back and see everything that was said. But thank you so much for, for your answer. Very helpful. Yeah, hey, nice uh, to meet you. Go ahead. And Ginger, if you ever need, a, if you're ever bored or you, you don't have anything to say, just hit me or your captain up and we'll we'll definitely give you something to say. <laughs> I'd love to do that. I'd love to do a space with both of you guys, by the way. It would be fun. I'm down anytime. You know that. Yes, For sir. Sure, Same here. But we need to push each other because <laughs> each one of us needs uh, the other to push uh, the other, <laughs> more oh, or less. God. You, you already know how I am with spaces. I, it, it's so hard to, to get consistent with spaces. And I've been trying to do that for months and months. And every time I start a space up and I host it for a few hours, I just get so mentally drained that I end up taking like another week off. It's like, it's so hard. That's like, that's like my one negative right now. Like I'm trying to get into space. It's so hard again. Hey, um, Cap Cap right. Cap oh. Captain, I do uh, uh, spaces at eight in the morning. You do spaces at one thirty uh, at night. So like we never catch each other neither. That's, that's actually very true. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, can, can I just do something? Can we have uh, uh, emoji hearts if you want to see like me, Crypt King, and Captain to do like a space together? Any hearts? No hearts? Any hearts in the chat? 
Oh my god. <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm just gonna go. Thank you so much, you know, for all the help. And yeah, hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too, friend. Um, also, I am about to write a two-month space schedule because um, I want to get consistent too. So I'm about to roll into a multitude of your DMs if that's cool. Um, Austin, want to give you some space, friend? Go ahead. Yeah, um, I was just wondering, like, as it pertains to Ginger's question, because it actually kind of made me think about something I've been considering doing for a bit of time. Because, um, like, I've been trying to increase the amount of times that I tweet, you know, like within reason, I don't want to like go overboard. And like you were saying, like give the tweets some time to breathe. Um, but I was like wondering about the scheduling tools you can use to like have it set up. So like tweet, like at a certain time of the day, do those like affect your engagement? Like if, if Twitter knows that you're using those to tweet or like, will that like affect you at all? Or is it like even worth trying? Cause like I've been considering doing that for about a few weeks now. I have found no evidence of that. No. Um, a couple of years ago, I did. But that was mostly because Twitter on um, the timeline tweet um, would say where it comes from. And of course, it would say, you know, blah, blah, blah from Hootsuite. And that, I think, when it was first introduced, felt very alienating to some people. Um, but being that now you have to click into the tweet in order to see, and there just isn't a huge emotional value to it, maybe because of proximity of time, I don't know. Um, but no, I, I haven't seen any like platform um, word I'm looking for. The platform doesn't punish it. Um, some people might, um, as far as like an, an emotional value is concerned, but the platform does not know. Go ahead, Austin. Oh, I was just going to throw it out there that if you're not scheduling, especially if you have an NFT drop coming and you don't have, if you, the best thing you can do, in my opinion, like for an NFT drop, for example, is like write out a list. It doesn't even have to be like on, a, on an app to actually schedule the tweets, but just write out a list of, I'm going to tweet this photo this morning, or like, I'm going to tweet a single photo. Then I'm going to tweet at lunchtime. I'm going to tweet a set. Then at dinner, I'm going to tweet a thread. Like you can do that for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You can write out a schedule for tweeting. And I usually try to do that for the few days leading up to my drop. And then utilize, I mean, even Twitter has a built-in scheduler. It, you just have to use it on a PC or a Mac. Like you can't use, you have to use it on a desktop, but um, like you can't do it on your phone. But I schedule every single one of my good morning posts. I schedule because I'm going to be honest with you. I like to sleep in very late and I go to bed really, really late. So I don't wake up at nine every day, but there is a tweet coming from me almost every day at 9am. And I would say, if you're not utilizing that stuff, it's just beneficial as hell. Keeps you active when you don't want to be. Um, I would, definitely suggest doing it and i haven't i also haven't found any engagement issues with anything although i don't use third-party apps uh so something i should try and see what happens but yeah also um for my adhd brains um i don't know if you find it beneficial to just sit down for an entire day and just bust out a month of uh, of tweets but I was doing that last year I can't remember exactly when but I was doing that sometime last year and like of course because I was being consistent that meant that um, my engagement was was way up um, so yeah it, it keeps engagement up um, if you do sit down and um, have like a day of planning um, I think that getting your brain in that mindset just makes you more creative as well so your tweets are gonna be kind of fire um, um, so yeah, I do recommend uh, third-party apps. I don't see anything wrong with it. The platform doesn't punish you. Um, I think they're they're nothing but good. Go ahead, Captain. I was going to agree with all your points and, and then add on, like, I think the timing of when you tweet and the demographic you're targeting 
played such a huge role because ever since I started really exploring the photography side of Twitter and really understood that my demographic was mostly coming out of Turkey and India, that means like I had to adjust my times to their times, right? So like if I'm going to tweet, I have to be on their time so my tweets get a bunch of visibility. So really I, I've been changing my whole entire schedule around like the last month. So like I'll wake up and do my tweets in the morning and then late at night, that's actually where the bulk of my tweets are coming from because I know everyone's going to be waking up around that time. So, and then I started to notice, um, you know, I don't really have like the data to back this up, but like from personal experience, Mondays are really good for tweeting. Tuesdays are like, okay. Wednesdays are considered generally pretty bad for engagement. And then Thursday and Fridays become stronger again. And then the weekends kind of like, they, they, they just die, like die down again. So like, that plays such a huge role in your visibility, the, the demographic, the timings of everything. Uh, how did you know your demographics? You just mentioned uh, you noticed that it's all coming from Turkey. Do you have a third-party app that you're using? You uh, I was just click on, clicking on their tweet, and then it would show me their location. And then once I connected with one artist and I saw all the work that they were sharing and all the people that they were talking to, I was like, oh, my, wait. <laughs> Everyone I'm talking to is pretty much from Turkey right now. So then I, I just kind of adjusted my time zones and my content and how I interacted from there. And like, it just, it took off ever since my engagement and just like, I created such a stronger community from just simply understanding my audience. I think that knowing your audience is foundational, absolutely to anybody's marketing experience, other than of course, like knowing your value, why you're here, et cetera. Um, or a mission statement, if you wanted to uh, get clinical about that. Um, I was going to say something. I can't remember what it is. Brian. Hi friend. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Um, it's good that it's good that you're having this space. I feel like it's been a while since you've had a space like this or maybe I've missed them, but um, it's nice to hear, you know, I'm having a little bit of a tricky time, like building some relationships with some collectors, right? I'm trying to train the algorithm and by trying to train it to like, see what they're posting and have them see what I'm posting. You know, I have to like, I have to engage, but sometimes I feel like that engagement is um, a little bit uh, disingenuous in a way. So I'm wondering if there's any like suggestions on how to like do this kind of like game that we're that we're playing but do it in a in a more genuine way where i'm trying to engage with these collectors and you know i really do try to find like posts that they post that interest me and i have something significant to add to the conversation but um sometimes i, I find it's like a little bit tricky and and difficult to do um real quick when it comes to your engagement have you seen a significant drop in it uh lately yeah Okay. Um, can I tell you something about your account um, publicly or should I DM you? Yeah. I mean, I imagine that, you know, it might be shadow banned because I started posting like my, some of my nude work. Oh, okay. God, that sucks. And I hate everything about that. Okay. Um, yeah. So effectively you can tell um, if you have been, so there's three different censorships on Twitter. Um the basic one, I'm going to mute you real quick, Brian, or mute yourself. I'm sorry. Um, but, 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 yeah, there's three sensors on Twitter. And um, 
we we I think that we associate shadow banning usually with a misunderstanding of the algorithm, um, but there definitely is those those three different censorships, and you absolutely have the first one on you where there's just a censor, um, probably because of adult content, and I hate it. There are a multitude of ways of bypassing it, but if you're seeing a significant drop in engagement, I would expect that it's more about that, not necessarily your content, especially if it was working before. Um, can we pick apart if your um, content was like working previously um, or if there are, are you like pivoting to a new audience? Like tell me a little bit more about who you're trying to engage with and what the difference is. Yeah, I mean, like the, the new collection is is different than the old one, although it still has the same kind of moodiness that that I had before. But it, it is it is definitely different. So there is somewhat of a pivot towards um, a different audience. You know, I wouldn't say that my I, I accomplished like a sellout collection before, which is fantastic. But I wouldn't say that my Twitter engagement has been anything that's been stellar. I've never like achieved any kind of viral status. I've never had you know, more than like, you know, t 10 retweets in a sitting or, or anything like that. So it's never been huge. But like right now, I feel like, yeah, especially a lot of my photos that I think are fucking fire, like are just not getting anything. I just don't think people are seeing them um, because I, I'm pr I feel good that they're good, <laughs> that they're good, you know, like, so I don't I don't know. Sure, but it's super invalidating when the platform is effectively censoring you against your target audience. Like, I, I completely empathize with that. Um, okay, so, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that, um, yeah, the, the marketing campaign that you had for that first collection was stellar. Like, you and Sabot are definitely, like, at the top of um, people that I think um, we as a community should watch and almost um, amplify. And my brain is rubbed again. Um but you know what? Let's pick apart. W would you um, be okay picking apart um, just because there's a sensor on your account? So there is a couple of things that are already working against you. Um, how do you know? How do you know yeah. that? Oh, um, really easy to tell, actually. So if you are following somebody, if you just search for them in the search bar and they are not popping up or they are prioritized way down the list, especially if you're typing in their full username, that's the easiest way to tell if somebody has a basic censorship on their account, um, but nothing above that. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Yeah, so stupidly simple way. There's also um, a couple of... Uh, websites that you can like type it in it's like shadow banning accounts which again I don't really agree with the word shadow banning it's usually a thing um, but those accounts I'm sorry those websites um, are usually able to um, accurately tell you if you're um, if you have a censorship as well except they steal your data so don't use those just search for an account within the search bar um, and you can tell very very quickly if somebody has a censorship on their account but yeah Brian, so I'm sorry that happened you're telling me that when you go to, we've been friends on here for over a year and we've been interacting for a long time. And when you go to search for me in the search bar, you're not seeing my name. You are non-existent. Yes, sir. Those fuckers. I tried it. Yeah. I tried it. Yeah, it, it actually works that way. I couldn't find your, uh, find you despite typing the whole username. I was, you know, and I was, I was, um, I was aware of this before I launched my project and I had to launch my project anyways. I got to do it. Like I can't, I can't not. So you're going to tell me some things that might be able to, um, you might tell us some things that might be able to 
circumvent that or is this just like something I had to deal with? No, um, honestly, if you want to work together in the DMs or we can have a discord call about that because there yeah, are yeah, so let's do many that. different elements. Yeah, let's let's definitely pick it apart. I'm happy to do that. Um, also, for anybody in here who is a sex worker or has any um, adult content, sexual content, um, I would love to have more conversations about um, platform censorship, but specifically. So this is a hard one for me because for one, I don't agree with platform censorship and I don't think that Twitter and Instagram and all of these platforms should be censoring your content. Um, but at the same time, instead of focusing on that, because of the amount of time that we have, we need to focus on bypassing it. But that conversation usually leads to ignoring the fact that these platforms, I think at least have a responsibility to promote our content. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in having either conversation, um, I'm happy, but there's also, again, like Discord. I have a million different resources in there that will help anybody like contextualize their target audience get you in front of your target audience and help you engage with um, uh, your target audience as well as your community, which is effectively a means of bypassing these censorships, but with a giant asterisk that there are other tool sets that we definitely need to talk about um, in order to uh, to do that. But yeah, Brian, um, do you want to work together in, uh, in DMs or Discord, friend? I would, I would love to do that. But the, do that. the thing that like is concerning is that my stuff is, it's very mild. Like a lot of it is just impl is like implied, you know, and I see other people doing things that are, you know, even they, they go even further, they seem to be doing just fine. So I guess it's, it's a little, sometimes they just get you and sometimes they don't, I don't know. Yeah. And there's also people who will like legitimately report your content too. And that's a whole different fucking ball game. It's, it's a really frustrating topic, friend. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's pick it apart and uh, find some tools for you. Okay. Yes. That sounds great. You Thanks. Got it. Austin friend, go ahead. Yeah. I have, I unfortunately have to get out of here like in just a minute. Um, but I wanted to say to Brian, like, if you're trying to um, kind of make like more legitimate connections with collectors, like one thing I've found, and this that like people have like varying views on this. I, I think it's mostly positive, um, as long as you do it in the right way. Um, uh, what I've like I've done before is I have done airdrops to collectors, but I will like let them know in DMs first, um, so they don't just have some random ass NFT pop in their wallet. Um, but you can do like an airdrop um, where you you know you just you just basically uh, tr you know con or transfer it to the collector's wallet. Um, and that can actually be like a good conversation starter, um, because like a collector will see that, you know, you're gifting them an NFT. Um, and you can do like an addition, like if you, if you don't want to like just be giving away your work and rightfully so you could just do like an addition piece. I've seen like a lot of people do that. And that is honestly like a good way to kind of like, say if you have like a collector that you haven't talked to in a while, um, for whatever reason, uh, like, cause I've had collectors that I, I will try and talk to and I'll be barely be able to get like any conversation going before, even if it's like completely organic. Um, and it just, it is what it is. You know, there's some people that are just more introverted than others and, and that's completely fine. But if you want to like get their attention again, say like if you have a drop coming and like, you know, you know, look at, at this to some extent as like a shit posty business, you know, as we probably all do at this point on Twitter, um, it, it's not a bad idea to kind of like try and airdrop a piece to them. Um, again, you can do like an addition piece. And again, that will like sort of get a conversation going or at least like allow them to see that you're, still putting work in and you're still putting work out and you're still like somewhat committed to the space 
um, because you know, like we all know, there's plenty of people that will will dip for whatever reason, and people have totally valid reasons for getting out of here, you know, especially during the bear market. But you know, the people that are sticking. Oh, you rug? Uh, I just I like get out here in a minute, but but yeah, like nope. if I would. Oh, rip. Okay. Bye, cat dad. Love you. <laughs> yeah, he um, lives in the boonies. Yeah, he do. Poor guy. Um, okay, I think we're going to wrap because my brain is absolutely heckin' done. Um, unless we've got uh, other other business to attend to, friends. How's, how's everybody feeling? Any more questions? Well, sweet. Let's heckin' go. Um... So this is the part where I shill. I'm really bad at it and unpracticed. Hi. Um, if you look above, friends, I just actually started a community. Um, that community is mostly for the Discord avoidance. So if you do not want to be in Discord, um, but you still want access to resources and uh, business conversations, you have any questions about the algorithm, engagement, you have a post that you want to make, but you're not sure about, whatever. Um, that community is for you. Discord is for you. Now you have options. Yay. Um, also, um, my project is, um, oh my God, I'm so bad about talking about this. Um, my project, um, is, is called the creative industry. And essentially what I'm doing is aiming to bring equity of education into the space. And, um, with that, I have started introducing a kind of reward system that's eventually going to lead into like metaverse access, a university, all kinds of stupid things. And what I am doing right now is just thanking the people who have supported supported my platform. So Crypt, Sabode, Jeremy, Brian, uh, Fede down there. I see you. Phoenix, you already have like five tails. I don't care. I love you. You've been here this entire time. Um, thank you guys for advocating for my platform, for being here, for contributing so much value to my life. I'm going to start crying. Um, I just want to, you don't have to be in Discord, um, but I just want to make sure that I am recognizing um, the amount of advocacy that you give my platform. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. Um, I would love to give you an adoptable um, that uh, like I'm putting my, my heart and soul into. Um, and uh yeah, just thank you guys for for, uh, for everything that you do for me. Um, with that, yeah, um, I hope to see everybody in Discord. Um, we do have game night tonight, so if anybody wants to play some Jackbox, uh, we're going to go do that tonight in a couple of hours. Um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for contributing so much value to my life. Um, I think on Tuesday, we're going to have our, I hesitate to say, thought leader space where we just talk about... Um, the philosophy of Web3, equity within the space, and um, just future thinking um, means of how we're moving in the space, and then another marketing space on Wednesday. Um, so I hope to see you guys. Uh, hope to see you guys there, Rody. Thank you so much for uh, hosting with me. Appreciate you, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. Okay, friends. My pleasure. I am like sweating from showing. Thank you for the space. <laughs> Love these spaces. Next time, ask me to do it for you, and I'll do oh it for God, you. Oh my God! Okay. Feel for you. Jeremy, I'll see you on Thursday for that space, all right? Thank you. Have a have a wonderful evening, everybody. You too, friends. Ciao, ciao.